Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being with us here. It is episode number 175, and it is Monday, May the 4th, 2020. May the 4th be with you. Sorry about that. I'm Joe Murata alongside Mr. Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? So how's it going, Quinn? May We're the fourth be with you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, can't, well, I, can't I am even so believe. sorry about that. Well, there is a Yoda reference <laughs> yeah. in this this thing we do today. That so. is true. How there you, you doing, Quinn? It's a new month. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. It is good. Birthday's coming up, I guess. Your birthday is in May. That's yeah. right. That's right, folks. I don't know how exciting it's going to be this year because of the, uh, yeah, the stuff going on. That's but, a good point. But well, yeah, it's Quinn's know, birthday you, on the 15th. You never know. Maybe we'll they'll be like, you know what? Just for Quinn's birthday, we're going to shut off all this quarantine oh, stuff. Oh, maybe just for you. I mean, just, it is very just, important. Just one day. Like, <laughs> and tomorrow is a Cinco de Mayo, but you can Cinco your teeth into oh. our Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Cinco. Yeah, Cinco. The, the five. That, the five. That's what they call it. The, yeah, the five. The five. That's the name of our group. Well, yeah. you know you know how you get to the Cinco. How do you get to the Cinco? You go to the DeMaio. No. No, you type in the search bar. There's a search bar on the Cinco. Okay. Facebook.Cinco. Right. You type in that search bar. Our vantage point dash. Retro Wrestling Podcast. Bing, bang, boom. Tubes, gore, kafui. There's a button shows up. You you click the button. You punch and you're the in. button. Punch it. And you you're punch in. the button. And you get into the group. Yeah. Uh, we we officially now have one rule. The group has been edited. The actual group rules. One. There's only. It's this most simple group. Don't be a dingus. There, that's it. That's yeah. all. If you don't know how to not be a dingus, just check with somebody. Yeah. And we'll, we can let you know There's if you're being one. There's dingus guidelines. There, <laughs> there um, are. The, the official dingus center. <laughs> yeah, uh, the dingus handbook. Yeah. And all those things. But really, the whole point of the group, folks, is to kind of give you a place where you can ask your dumb questions, your smart questions, provide insight, analysis, all sorts of things. Share funny pictures. Share unfunny pictures if you want to. Mm-hmm. And do it with hundreds of other people that like the same thing. Whether you like WWF or any other promotion, current whatever it is, retro, go to our Facebook group. It's a fun time. And also, if you like OVP, the show that we're doing right now, that's what this is. That, our our that, vantage this point. This is that show, yes. <laughs> yes. The Retro Wrestling Podcast. If you've liked us maybe for a while, maybe you're just getting into it and you want more content, we have you covered there on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We have three very easy tiers. The highest one is $5. We're going to give you more info on that later. But the bottom line is this. If you want the pay-per-view reviews, if you want the bi-weekly 1983 reviews, if you want all the extra stuff, the most you would have to pay is just $5 a month, and it'll support OVP. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. More okay. info to follow. Another thing, if you use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, stop what you're doing right now. Leave us a review, please. Thank you. Oh, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be All great. you gotta do is hit the stars, too. I don't think yeah. you have to even type anything on that, If you right? don't want to, no. Yeah. You could just do stars if you feel like it, like your Meltzer, or you could type a review like your Meltzer, hopefully more coherently than one of his sentences. Um, They... Look, look, you know, like, for the but, Quinn, it is time to get into our retro topics. Uh, 
as you know, fans, and Quinn, obviously, as you know, I know we <laughs> we have been uh, we have been doing a segment this season to kick off every show called Fresh Perspective, and that is where we get into something where our opinion has changed. You know, we've been fans of wrestling for over fifty years combined. Yes, which over is crazy. fifty years. That's it's a crazy. long time. It, it's it's longer than the WF's been in <laughs> existence, allegedly. And uh, you know, like we said, over time, you know, your opinions change. Sometimes your preferences change, and we like to go back and maybe revisit some things from our childhood. But this one's a little bit different because I don't think our opinions changed on this one. More so, as our appreciation has grown. So this is our fresh perspective. The sound of freshness, Mike. King. King. Uh, Quinn, this time around, we both talked about this. We agreed that it's only fitting that we talk about Howard Finkel. There are a few simpletons in this organization. Yes, Howard Finkel. And you may say, what fresh perspective? It's, everyone knows he's good. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the aim here is, you know, I, as a kid probably just didn't know how good he was right. like i probably was just like well that's the wrestling announcer right. you know what i yeah. mean like cy spurling yeah blah 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 <laughs> like, like yeah. it's just, he has hair now yeah he has hair but you know what i mean like it's just like nobody thought you know this is the greatest wrestling ring announcer when it was happening when you're growing up probably not right yeah. obviously howard finkel recently passed away a couple of weeks ago and due to the time period that we cover and the era in which we both grew up watching wrestling he was a huge part of our wrestling consumption yeah he and was like every part he, of it yeah, he was I mean, in every match he's on almost everything it was weird when he wasn't yeah when it was bill dunn or uh, mike mcgurk or <laughs> tony chimmel why they're always a topic of discussion <laughs> in general uh, <laughs> yeah chimmel 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 my goodness we meet again don't we you might be wondering what could be said that hasn't been said about howard finkel uh, maybe not much, but Quinn and I figured it's a good time for us to talk about him. Yeah, and and I agree with you, Quinn. I did. I took him for granted the whole time I was growing up watching wrestling. And what's weird about Fink is he hasn't even been or hadn't been the regular announcer for about twenty years since like two thousand. He started to phase out more right. and more. And what's even more interesting is before that, he really like he was flanked by other people like Jim Barbecue and what, <laughs> yeah. what's the other one? What? The one that went to WCW. Oh, uh, Gary Michael Capetta. Yeah, yeah like, was there in the same time he as had, him. Like other associates, like he, did. he wasn't even like the main one. No, he wasn't. So Howard Finkel is often touted as the first WWF employee, and what they mean by that? So he had worked for Vince Senior. He worked for them. I think seventy five is when he started, and he became the MSG announcer in seventy seven. So he's at like all the MSG stuff starting mm-hmm. in seventy seven. Let's have a warm Madison Square Garden welcome for Larry Zabisco. But Vince McMahon Jr., you know, the Vince McMahon, that great guy that yeah. everyone loves right it's now, such especially. A, such a hero. Stand-up guy. Yeah. Jam-up guy. Jam-up. He hired him on April 1st, 1980, as part of the new Titan Sports company that Vince was forming. Now, this wasn't when they were, like, running hockey arenas or whatever this was <laughs> at the beginning. It, well, imagine, could you imagine, imagine Howard was. Finkel and, and root for the New England Jets? <laughs> yeah, like, right. whatever, you know, that, like, minor league hockey yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Free pretzels. Yeah. But anyway. 
He moved up to become the main television announcer in 1984 when uh, Joe McHugh, Jim Barbecue, as we call him, Who, retired. What, wait, that's his name? <laughs> yeah, Joe McHugh. What? And uh, Howard Finkel became the main TV announcer. And like you said, when Gary Michael Capetta was there around that time, they also had Mel Phillips start doing it later in the 80s. Yeah, but he was, I, he was, <laughs> very, he was very replacement. Like, it's, like, it's always like Boston Gardens or like Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> yeah, it's true, Some you're kind right. Of garden Some scene. kind of garden that's not Madison yeah, Square. Yeah, exactly. And Mike McGurk started doing it in 87, 88. But Howard Finkel was the guy, right? On all the pay-per-views, it was Howard Finkel. Mm -hmm. His voice resonated in the memories, I think, of a lot of people. The winner of this contest! I think the the most notable one he did, like if, right off the bat, like I do need to say this is yeah. when he announces the rules of the Royal Rumble. It's oh, like yeah. the, it's to me that's like quintessential think. It's actually like if you think about it, it's the most you hear him talk in one ring announcement for the entire year. That's a great point, Quinn. You, you, you know what I mean? Like him just listing off the rules. And I think everyone has that fondness and that appreciation for him doing that. Yeah, I think one of the things that's great about Howard Finkel is not only was he a ring announcer, he was seemed to be beloved within the company. He actually, in the early days when it was still very mom and pop, he was kind of, not Vince's right-hand man, but he was very involved in uh, creative ideas. He helped produce interviews backstage. There's outtakes of him being back there. He also just in general would announce their like where are they going to be this week sure. live live things like the utility announcer yeah, basically like, it's just like wf is going to be in south central pennsylvania <laughs> yeah, right. next week uh at eight at the east brunswick high school yeah, like, things like that yeah and he also adapted his voice over time yeah, gary michael capetta did the same thing from his early days until his wcw days there was very boxing voice in the late 70s mm -hmm. you know and and joe McHugh was kind of sounded like a boxing announcer and howard finkel in the early days hi here i am you know mm -hmm. and gary michael capetta very like that thin voice you know but even fink wrestling had, fans yeah even <laughs> fink had two modes like yes. you said like the one where he's like and they're going to be in the East <laughs> yeah. Brunswick gym next yeah. week at uh, 7 o'clock. Right. And, you know, like, and then those later ones where, like, the airplane would whiz by. <laughs> yeah. and they're like, Phew! The World Wrestling yeah, Federation, yeah. you know. The WWF is going to be in Manitoba, Canada. <laughs> right. Get your tickets Get your now. tickets. Yeah, you know, like that. And I think his, his voice was so unique and so cool. And one of the things about Finkel that I really love, even though he's so memorable, even though him doing the and... No! And that whole thing his, is... His new champion thing right. was, like, very notable. He never, ever distracted from anything else. He never tried to get himself over. He never distracted from the in-ring action. Like, nowadays, you have these ring announcers that are all bombast. Like, you remember Justin Roberts? Yeah. Yeah! Like, just <laughs> horrible. I like John Cena. No, you don't. You don't like Justin Roberts, do you? I only like the John Cena <laughs> announcement. I swear I do. Like I, I, I actually sometimes will like say it to myself when he comes out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> horrible. Cena. The Fink just was doing what he was doing, and then it just became embedded in people's memories. That's I think. true. He wasn't making an attempt to get himself over. He was making an attempt to get the in-ring action over. But I do like the way they gave him a little feud there, like a two-and-a-half-year feud with Harvey Whippleman. Yes, and this would be, like, the only time he would, like, be overt For the ridiculous. most part, yeah. And it, what's crazy about this feud to me is that not only, like like you said, it went on so long or it was whatever. It two-and-a-half years. 
and, so and it just it kind of stemmed just from like this this haphazard kind of like basically Harvey Whippleman's a heel, so he would be like Harvey Whippleman, Whippleman, and he would yeah. like take over, and he would resent him or whatever because of it. Right. At this time, may I introduce to you Harvey Whippleman? That is Doctor Harvey Whippleman. But like the fact that like it even like went to like. What is that thing where they go? He goes down south to Jerry Lawler, Memphis, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and in the like, Memphis in '93, like, fuck you, downtown Bruno. Like you know, downtown Bruno. That what name a fuckwad. Yeah, that name stinks <laughs> and like, like like that shit. You stink. Yeah. And then they have the tuxedo match in like '95. I can't somehow. believe that. Literally, like they actually like waited till the end of it to actually yeah. have a match. Like '95, 95, like when they were like, "Okay, we're not doing this anymore." Like one final match to like resolve this shit. Like I was watching Raw at the time, and that feud had been going on since like '92 or something. Yeah, it was so long. It was so long. We've got Harvey Wimbledon. We've got Howard Finkel. We've got ourselves a good old fashioned tuxedo match. But yeah, so I mean, they used him creatively sometimes. He was also remember when he helped DX cut Jarrett's hair at SummerSlam '98. Oh yeah, that. So they would use him sometimes. The Cy Sperling incident. The Cy Sperling. He feuded with Tony Chimmel, but straight up as a ring announcer, he wasn't trying to make a name for himself. He was just so unique and different. And that's not taking anything away from guys like Gary Michael Capetta, who were very good. David Penzer. But the thing I think we said this before, you know. Remember Bob Shepard, the uh, now batting for the Yankees? Yeah, 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 him. Remember when he was suddenly gone? Yeah. And he didn't really... But that, took, that's I another guy so, you took for granted, That you one's know? a little weird, only because he'd been the announcer since, like, Babe Ruth or something. <laughs> like, Mickey Mantle. Yeah. It's, like, really long, though. <laughs> but still, the, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you don't realize sometimes what you have until it's gone. And when Fink stopped doing it as much, Tony Chimmel took over Raw, and then Lillian Garcia... <laughs> and Fink uh, and Fink would sometimes champion Shaw. Champion Shaw. Yeah. And Fink would still sometimes do the pay-per-views and then he stopped doing those and he stopped doing WrestleMania in like 2006. Yeah, I think I think really honestly he only did the pay-per-views for a very long time. Like right. that, there was a point where he only did that for like ever. And then it was only WrestleMania. Right. And then it was nothing. And actually I always thought they phased him out actually pretty well. Because it, it, it was very gradual. It was. And when he was finally gone, it didn't hurt as much, I, I know. guess. Like, but the problem is, this is a, not a shot at any current announcers or anything like that. I don't really know of anyone that's been that memorable or that distinct or unique since Howard Finkel. Okay. I just don't. I think there is some respect to be given to certain ring announcers now that they do a good job. Even they seem self-aware that nobody's ever going to top the Fink, right? Yeah, it's like, he's like the mean gene, you know, right. the mean gene effect. So they kind of respectfully, like, develop their own style now, these announcers. Like, right. I don't know what the guy with the beard, <laughs> yeah, like, the, with the mean. slick hair, yeah. I like him, though. <laughs> like, he's pretty good, actually. And, of course, we've always liked Melissa Santos when she did Lucha. She, right. was, she was good. Yeah. She really was good. But no one's ever, yeah, you're right, no one's ever going to be Howard Finkel. Yeah, and I think that's, like, I think that's the understanding nowadays ring announcers go to. As long as you don't fuck it up as bad as Lillian Garcia or whatever, like you're, you know, honestly, like that's, yeah, that's she pretty much very good. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, but she like admits it. Yeah, that's like, true. Like she's she's not, like, she seems like a great person. Yeah, she basically gonna... is like, she's, she kind of like, you know what I like about Lillian Garcia? She kind of just says like, I kind of stumbled into this and I just yeah. kept doing it. And I like, she's like, I stunk at the beginning. She and, did. Yeah. And she's just like, I got better and f- developed my own kind of style. But She was solid. She just had this like, this cadence. It was like, 
<laughs> it's just that's yeah. what I hear. But again, uh, she's probably a great person in all seriousness. Yeah, she is. She, she really, really is. Yeah. Uh, you know what was great was when Howard Finkel came back to announce CM Punk. You know, everyone loved that, that moment. That was pretty cool. I love that yeah, moment. Yeah, that is definitely a good Fink moment. Weighing 218 pounds, CM Punk! Oh, yeah. I felt like that played into the CM Punk, like, I like old WF, like, bring back ice cream bars and <laughs> yeah, shit. Right. Like, you know, like, it was just like, that was like played into his gimmick. Right, I know. And it which was... is such a weird, can I say that that is in general a weird thing for, like, a wrestler to be like, my gimmick is I like old WF, like, I like to watch it. Like, you know, you know <laughs> yeah, what I, mean? I like watching old wrestling. Yes. That's a great gimmick. That could be our gimmick. That was the Revival's gimmick, essentially. Like, we're, we like the Brain Busters. Yeah, but CM Punk was more overtly, like, wrestling nerd in his basement term. Wrestler. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. And I like the ice cream. Bring that yeah. shit back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that was, to my knowledge, that's one of the last things Fink did as a ring announcer was CM Punk. I don't know if he did, like, maybe a one off appearance on an old school Raw or something after that, you know, as a straight up ring announcer. But I was thinking the other day, how great would it have been to hear him announce, and I'm not, to, whatever you think of the people, Roman Reigns, you know, Roman! Right. Or like, John Cena. Did yeah. he even have an opportunity to announce? Because I just remember John <laughs> Cena by the time we got there. Why do you like that? Because I like it's, it. It's crappy. I, okay, he stinks. Can I, I'm just going to say it right on this show. What? Like, like, I am like secretly like, I love John Cena like a lot. Like, Oh, I don't think that's a secret, I think, But I think, I think a lot that. of people in our circle are like, oh, John Cena, like inferior Hulk Hogan yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's not but, the same thing. But I love him. Like, he's just like. I know you do. I like that he's like willing to experiment and things like that. I I don't know. Do weird They're, shit. Yeah, do weird shit. Like, <laughs> I just like John Cena, but like, that's why that like announcement always <laughs> stuck with me. Cause I was just like, that's just like him like doing the salute and right. like, as he's like saying, like, John Cena, I'm a real Marine, you know, like oh, that, whole, that whole thing. <laughs> but with Fink, you know, imagine him announcing Roman Reigns or imagine him announcing even Seth Rollins. What the point I'm trying to make with that is how much more important can he make them feel just right. by saying their name? That was the Howard Finkel effect. You know, Seth Rollins! You know, he, just, he even hyped up, like, certain match types. Right. The like, hell <laughs> in the cell! Right. And, yeah, you he know, just you know. had this style that made it feel yeah. like, holy shit, this is important. Right. Whether it was, you know, he was announced it forever, so whether it was, like, Johnny Rods. Yeah. Rods, or whatever it yeah. was, right? Yeah. Or all the way, man, Mantar! Like, yeah. whoever it was... If the Fink said it, it sounded like it mattered. Here is your winner, Briar Ferguson. Ferguson. It felt like you became a WWF wrestler once right. he officially said your name once. Right. Like and you were like introduced to the canon. Like, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Bob Sparkplug Holly. Like you it, name it. It doesn't matter who. Doesn't matter up, who. up to the top, like the immortal yep. Hulk. Hogan! Bret Hart, the way yeah. he would, or the way he'd roll the R's on Razor Ramon. I wonder if there's a supercut of just Fink saying every single name on the roster year by year. <laughs> like, so that we just have it on file somewhere. That'd be an awesome supercut. If yeah. I had the time, I might do that myself. But yeah, I mean, we just wanted to shout out the Fink here. He obviously uh, is, has been missed for a long time and now physically mm-hmm. is a, a person no longer with us. But I have heard nothing but great things about the guy. I haven't heard a negative thing. No. And I haven't I, heard, like, a shoot. Like, even before he died. Like, oh, usually yeah, yeah, you yeah. would, by, before they die, you yeah. would hear, like, oh, what a fucking asshole or something. Right. You know? <laughs> like, some some guy, like, Dr. D. Or, you know, like, some some guy, like, <laughs> Dr. D. hunky-dunky, be like, he was a real shithead in real life. Like, Nails. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like him. 
Like, and it like you know, somebody who's like hasn't really been associated with wrestling for like 20 years. Barry O. Yeah. One of those yeah. bitter people. Yeah. But I mean, Howard Finkel just seemed to be universally beloved. I know Vince McMahon himself loved him. Loyal, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Affable, likable. Well, when you're employee number one, it's not like you're going to jump to WCW. <laughs> you know what I mean? And how much would he honestly imagine if he had? Not that he ever would have, but yeah. that would have been a big deal in, in all seriousness. It would have helped. <laughs> but to be honest, I always thought, see, here's the thing. No offense to Howard, but I felt like WCW had its like, it had its it was David good. Penzers and Jerry and Michael. GMC, yeah. It had its own like people that were like, those are the WCW True. people. Like yeah. they're the sound of WCW. And buffer for the big and events it would have been stuff. weird if like Fink announced <laughs> it and vice versa. It would have been weird if I know Gary Michael Capetta was in WWF, but if like David Penzer was announcing <laughs> like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like that would have just been like, what? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It was weird enough when it was Tony Chimmel, you know, right, when yeah. he took over for Fink for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine, imagine Fink announcing like Glacier. Yeah. <laughs> Glacier, like <laughs> Mortis. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Sting. I can't even imagine him announcing Sting. Did he ever even announce Sting? Like, because I don't he, think he could have. No, he wasn't. By the time Sting did that, like one match with the in bad WF. hair. Yeah, the bad hair. Yeah, and the Sergeant Pepper jacket. Anyway, <laughs> it's still annoying to me that he like lost. Like, it's just why would they? Why? Why even bring him back? I know, like, that was so funny. Uh, but yeah, Howard Finkel. Clearly, one of the best of the best of all time. Let's yeah. no, let's not sugarcoat it here. The That's best true. wrestling ring announcer of all time. Not to say there aren't other really solid professionals like Gary Michael Capetta and like many others, but Howard Finkel. If you were a WWE fan, if you grew up one, he was con- he was part of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Maybe not appreciated the way uh, the way he is now. You know, when you're growing up, like you said, he was just there. He was just the ring announcer. He just he was what he was. And you know what? I, I want to say one last thing about him sure. is that I felt. He never felt too big time to me as a, as opposed to a lot of ring announcers, David Penzer excluded. I think he's another one that's like he's like the Fink of WCW. David Cumberbund, yeah. Yeah, like I like that Fink felt very like in-house and like smaller, but like he had a big voice. But I'm saying like it never he never felt like this legendary figure to me that I couldn't that wasn't like approachable when right. you're watching. Yeah, right. You know what right. I mean? Like where it's like Michael Buffer, for example. <laughs> it's like it's like he puts himself on as like and he rightfully so. Rightfully I mean, he, annou- so. he announced like some of the biggest boxing matches Absolutely. ever. Absolutely, like, yes. He was like a legend when he came to WCW. And that's how they treated him, right? But, like, I think it was just there. And the same with like, um, you know, the the old timey like Jim Barbecue or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and yeah, just that like Fink had this. Oh, this is just the in house WF guy, yep. but like in a good way. He's just their guy, yeah. right? He's just the guy that's there. Yeah, and he is a pro. I mean, short with the bald head and the mustache. Right. Like he looks like a Howard Finkel. Like he's a guy that you would expect hanging around in like the WF warehouse, <laughs> yeah. like I mean, with all the props and shit. Hey Vince, is it okay if I take this home with me? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, that like that, that's like a typical day at work in Connecticut. <laughs> right. Big wrestling there. But yeah, Howard Finkel, uh, we all miss you, obviously. Uh, we will. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's been uh it's been weird not having him anyway for these right. last twenty years as the main voice, but he will be missed. He is missed, and we just wanted to shout out Howard Finkel. Folks, let us know your memories of him, what you think might have made him so good and distinct. You can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group, Cinco. Uh, but when we mm-hmm. come back, we have the Royal Rankings to handle here, Michael, and it's two more tanks. They must be handled. <laughs> yeah, That's they true. must be handled. Two more teams are coming out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It's the Royal Rankings, and it's coming up right after this.
but I still contribute. I'm still having fun. And, you know, I have a motto that I say, the day it doesn't become fun anymore is the day that I make it fun again. Uh, I have no plans of slowing down. Every day is a pleasure. No two days are alike. And that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. wrestling fans to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast it is episode number 175 and it is monday may 4th 2020 thank you guys for being with us and hope you're all doing okay hey michael hey we have patreon yes patreon we've talked about this a a little bit it's it's on the internet it's a website on the internet that al gore invented Mm -hmm. and if you want to take part in our patreon what that'll do is yes it'll support ovp and we'll appreciate that but you're gonna get a lot of extra stuff and it's very cheap. It's very cheapo. Oh, it's El Cheapo. <laughs> it's El Cheapo. That's what the, that's what they call it in the industry terms. That is a technical term, yes. El Cheapo. So if you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast, you can check out our El Cheapo tiers there. It's uh, $2, $3, or $5. The $5 tier is going to get you everything that we offer, and literally every extra piece of content. And here's what it is. It's the monthly pay-per-view reviews. That means every single month we are going in order. We started with WrestleMania 1. This month is Royal Rumble 90. How are we (laughs) in there already? Can't believe we're kicking off the 90s this month. Very 90s. And that's a great event, too. And a lot of people have fond memories of that one. So if you want to get in on the pay-per-view reviews, it's on the $5 tier. Once a month, they're like anywhere from two and a half up to upwards of four hours, some of these shows, wow. these reviews that we do. Pretty long. And you get our star ratings, which is very important. Oh, I mean, Meltzer's <laughs> really. He's, yeah. been, he's been using them as a reference point. It I've is. Heard. Yeah, he, he emailed me the other day. Oh, he did? Yeah. That's right. How long from was that weird, email? From his weird office. <laughs> You know, that's impressive that Meltzer could find his computer in, yeah. in that office. Well, folks, if you want to uh, if you want to get our exclusive star ratings that even Dave Meltzer cares about, you can do that. Uh, and again, these are fully edited, just the OVP style. That's in the $5 tier. The $3 tier gets you bi-weekly 1983 reviews. That is where Quinn and I have been watching since January of 82. Every single WWF Championship Wrestling that we possibly can. Now, right now, we're in May of 83. Wow. And uh, we're progressing along we're really moseying along there's a lot of moseying it's, going it's, it's on. serious mosey and it's a great time because you get to just watch the show with me and quinn it's like hanging out with the two of us or you can listen to it we have it in right. video and audio form and so. you can learn a lot about like this Bar- era of time baron mikhail sakluna well, and things mean, of that nature he's got tax issues so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different show with a whole different canon it does have canon there's canons there so if you want to check it out that's on the three dollar tier and then the two dollar tier gets you the raw video that is the shirt tier because you get to see the making of every single Monday show, including this one. And not only that, you unlock a archive of our past Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras. We recently released the Doink one uh, for free on this feed. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a, a feel for what those That's are like. That's a real adventure. Yeah, and there's about a dozen of them on there. And also, over 30 of the OVP commentaries. That's where we take a specific match on the WWE Network, and we do a commentary on it. So... That is our Patreon. Again, we do this really just to give back to you guys that want to support the show. So if you've been on the fence, maybe hop off the fence. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast, especially if you want the pay-per-view reviews. 
got Rumble 90 coming up right now. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot if you need to cancel or want to cancel after that. You know, go ahead. There's no contract. No contract. No, you're not going to be no in a binding ex- agreement. No expiry. No, no expiry. So uh, that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. But Michael, you know, we are doing the Royal Rankings this season mm-hmm. for uh, for tag champions. And man, is this intense and this serious and this matters because... Oh, I mean, they're really, they're, li- they're looking on from the important places. Seriously. Now, what is the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush? Well, that's before the season starts, actually, over on our Facebook group. We ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best and 10 worst at something. For this season, it's the WWF Tag Team Champions. So everybody votes. And when that's over with, Joe Merkel, our chief statistician very of chief. the show. Very chief. <laughs> he takes all the votes. Pretty Compl- strong, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got a bow. Stop. <laughs> turns. He puts the votes into two tags. One for the best, one for the worst. Okay? And then every week, we alternate, and we pull out two names, and we rank them. So that way, by the end of the season, you will have the scientific, definitive, organic, ordained, baptized, USDA certified, and healthy. Fresh. Fresh. There's some freshness. Pretty fresh. (laughs) Best and worst WWF Tag Team Champions of all time, Michael. Uh, Here's who's on the list now, folks. We've got four teams on the list. Two more coming out shortly. At number one, and I think rightfully so, Demolition. Well, they're the best. They really are. Thus far, I mean, in terms of WWF Tag Team Champions, you don't get any really more important or better than Demolition. Here yet. comes the Axe and the Smash. <laughs> both of them. They're Remember they beat there. up Andre or something? <laughs> yeah. Get out of my cart. Repeat. <laughs> Number two is the Heart Foundation. A close two. Very close. I know Brett would probably disagree. You know, I thought we were the best Tag Team Champions. No, we had the Scorpion hold. <laughs> Never. Had the best matches. And uh, I love the Heart Foundation. Good number two pick there. Number three, the Doodly Boys. Yeah, you know, actually, I think they deserve to be pretty high ranked in the end. I, I really do. They had an impressive run. They were important as tag team champions. Consummate tag Consummate. team. Consummate. That's, that's the word. Constipated. Yeah. And at number four, the Brain Busters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got voted on. It's like five minute rain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't vote for them. We just rank what we're given. Right. We don't have any say in the choosing process. But Quinn, it is time now. To go down to our friend Howard Finkel, the best of all time. Yes. For the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Oh, you didn't know? We're standing up here with these tag team belts, and that means we're number one. What about the strike force? We're going to strike with them with, with lightning force. And it's time for you to pay Money Incorporated. So, for the benefit of those who flash photography, what we have here are two hearts beating as one. (laughs) When we get done with you, you'll be sour and gory. It is the Royal Rankings. WWF Tag Team Champions. You heard some names in the intro there. Oh, some names, all right. There's some names, including the Strike Force. They're striking. <laughs> With force. Yeah. Uh, but it is time, as we've run them down, Demolition Hearts, Dudleys, and Brain Busters, it is time to find out who our next entry will be. I'm excited, Quinn, because, you know, we got the demos are number one. It's going to be hard to overcome. It is going to be hard to overcome, but, I mean, there's still six names to draw from, so we'll have to see what we got here. We'll have to see if somebody will be the new champion. The new champion. You want to go down to the fans and have them count us down? Yeah, count it, fans. All right, fans, go ahead. 
Oh, what a rush. Your favorite. The, the Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom, Quinn's absolute favorite tag team. They're so great, aren't they? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're the best. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the LOD. They were a big deal in the NWA. That's true. If you like watching squash matches, they were your they're the team. Best they're, they're, the, they're, they are the best. They are. I, I, I'll, I give them credit. I, and you know how I like jobber matches. Yep. They and really it, know how to beat the shit out of a jobber. They, they legit. Yeah. And they're great in AWA. They were different for when they debuted, you know, in the early 80s. No one really looked like them. This was a big deal, this no, team. And, you know, they patterned themselves out of literally the movie Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. Hence, they were the Road, the Road Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. As part of a stable that was called the Legion of Doom, and then right. that eventually became their team. Does name. anybody even, like, remember who was in the like, original? Like, nobody ever talks about it. Like, like there's like Jake al- Roberts was or something. There's always people who are like, who is like, oh, you know, they actually, they were really part of the Legion of Doom stable, and it's like, who was I, in I'm that? always like, list them off for me, please, because... <laughs> I think Jake Roberts is one of them. And what was that, for like five know. minutes? Our first question for Jake Roberts. You've appeared on television saying that you're the very best that the Legion of Doom has to offer, and we've noticed that the Road Warriors don't particularly like these comments. Uh, Vince McMahon wanted the, the Road Warriors, never was able to come to a deal with them. I guess Ellering, you know, I don't want you to have to take them, you know, whatever. He should have just stuck in his <laughs> office with the one window. With his newspaper. The, the, the blinds. <laughs> yeah, the, blind, the Venetian blinds. Yeah. What's he written? Venetian blinds. <laughs> And so Vince made his own version of the Road Warriors called Demolition. And you, might, you might have heard of them. You might have. Now, if you're a WWF fan, chances are Demolition's your team. Yes. If you're an NWA fan, you're probably like, fuck Demolition. Yeah. Guess what we're talking about, though? WWF tag team champions. Right. Hence. So, here's it. So this, to me, is I think needs to be said is the problem Say as it? far as this list is concerned, that we're only talking about WWF Correct. tag team champions. Yes. Which handicaps LOD tremendously. Yes, so this is taking nothing away from their importance or their impact as a team as a whole. This is not about that. This This is is about about them being WF Tag Champions. Now, obviously, enough people thought they were good enough to make the list. We have to give them credit there. People did vote them in. However, the thing with their reigns, we'll, we'll go over it in a second, is they were kind of short, and though memorable, the first one, the win... They didn't really do much with it, so let's get into... Yeah, the first win is, like, the big one. That was the big one, and, right. and people love that. So they had debuted in the summer of 1990 as the Legion of Doom, the red shoulder pads instead of the black, you know, a yeah. little more cartoonish, right? I know people say it's cartoonish, but that's the way I just always thought of them, was the right. red shoulder the pad things. WWF guys, right? And I actually thought the red and black combo looked pretty badass. It did. I, I don't know why people call that cartoony. Because they don't like WWF, probably the people but that say like that. But it's like they wore the same thing. It's just those were black, and these are like red and black. Listen, they're, they're just two colors instead of one color. Red is evil, damn yeah. it. <laughs> so they come in, and they immediately kind of call out Demolition, who had already turned heel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Demolition has a fun run of it, calling LOD imposters. Right. They well, do that a hey, lot, which they, is funny. They are to them. <laughs> the irony, right? In the universe of WF, right. they are. In WWF universe, they are. You imposters are not going to regret the day you ever walked in the shadow of Demolition! And they help uh, Demolition actually lose the tag titles to the Hart Foundation at SummerSlam 1990. Yeah. We've talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. So that happens. So we have this half-assed LOD Demolition feud, mainly because of Axe and the fish. Like, he's never in, really, the matches much. It's it's so upsetting, like, how this doesn't really, like, ever pan this, out. No, it really doesn't because materialize. this is really what you wanted, right? Right. You wanted to see the the axe and the smasher face the hawk and the animal. And that would have been a big feud, I think. Like, a marquee feud. Oh, yeah. That could have, like, been a WrestleMania match. Like, Absolutely. If like, they could have held it over till 7, if Axe was still there, 
Yeah. Fantastic. Even if they didn't have the titles. Like, it was just like, it's a grudge match, man. Right. It's like Demolition versus LOD, WrestleMania. Let's right. do it. Right. Yeah, and LOD could have won the titles at SummerSlam still. Instead, we get Katow and <laughs> that shit. Right. And Crush didn't help. Yeah. We know that. This isn't about Demo, but Crush really dragged that team down. Oh, Let's God. Let's just be honest. Well, thanks to the shellfish, <laughs> yeah. there, was, there, there was a need for Crush. Right. To, like, supplement or something. Unfortunately. And then Axe had the fluffy hair that I know right. you like to talk yeah. about. Remember the fluffy yeah. hair? Very fluffy. <laughs> But anyway, the LOD, they kind of steamroll through some teams like Sour and Glory. Yeah. Sour and Glory, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania, yep, they do that. That's when they say that. Yeah, it is. Like with Regis or something. <laughs> no, it's not with it's Sean Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. And then they uh, get a big shot at the new tag team champions at SummerSlam 91, the Nasty Boys. So right. this was a big deal, this win, Quinn. So this was like literally set up from like, they didn't want to have the Hart Foundation fight. LOD, obviously. Not in the big scale. You know what's... Yeah, no, not on TV. They did have a match together shortly before WrestleMania 7 mm-hmm. that aired on... Um, it's on WrestleFest 91. It's a good match, actually. The Hearts play the heel. It's on WrestleFest 91, if you've never seen it. Very good. You know what I think that when we're talking about this with LOD's runs? I think part of the problem, we're in the later era of, like, all these good teams or whatever, and that they turned almost all the teams that, like, were standouts face... So, like, LOD was face. So, right. how the fuck would these, like, dream matches ever happen? Yeah, that's true. There weren't a lot of um, big-time opponents for the LOD. Right. Because Demolition had dissolved, and that didn't happen. So, they win the titles from the Nasty Boys at Madison Square Garden, SummerSlam mm-hmm. 91. Great moment, to be fair. It's a big pop. It's like, all right, these guys should be the champions, right? Yeah, the Nasty Boys were kind of <laughs> like, the idea behind that was like, oh, they just, by the skin of their teeth, yep. they, like, escape with the belts, they beat the Heart Foundation with the megaphone yeah, or whatever they, it was, the yeah, helmet. The helmet yeah. yeah, and they think they're so good, right? and they're not. Yeah, so, but they were standouts in where they came from. Like, da- Nasty Boys were no, like, joke. And, oh, no, I yeah. know. NWA and AWA, the same thing as the yeah. Road Warriors. They, exactly. They were standouts. Hulk is up there! LOD winning the titles there totally made sense, and that's a feel-good pay-per-view if there ever was one. SummerSlam right. 91. Like, all the faces win, practically. And, and some, some props just to the Nasty Boys for really playing it up. They're like the honky-tonk man tag team, right? right? It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, fuck these guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they were great at it. Yeah. So then the LOD is champions, and they never defend them um, on pay-per-view until Royal Rumble 92 against the Natural Disasters. By then, nobody cares. Which is, yeah, yeah. it's, look, I like Earthquake a real lot. Yeah. And I like Typhoon. He's okay. But this feud just was stinky. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just be it, honest. It really just didn't work, huh? No! Like, and this is what I mean. It's like, LOD, it leaks into the Money, Inc. era. Right. Like, I think that's, I think that's ultimately, I hate to say it, but, because like, you know how much everyone loves Money, Inc. so much. But, well, I do. Yeah. I don't think they deserve to be on the flush, but, but that's it's a like, th- this topic is, for another time. This is what I'm talking about, though. Why they're, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this, this era of, like, they're like, it's a competitive division. <laughs> AK, nobody's really good. Like, LOD's got a puppet in their neat or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, what happened was in real life, I think Hawk got suspended or something happened. Whatever the case was, they lose them to Money Inc. allegedly at a house show. I say right. allegedly because no one's ever seen proof of it. Oh, but apparently, really? apparently, yeah, on February seventh, ninety two, Money Inc. wins. The it's new like a team. Rio de Janeiro situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's never been proof. Yeah, uh, but yes, Money Inc. are your new tag champions, and LOD comes back with Paul Ellering at uh, WrestleMania eight. We all know the deal there. Then they get a puppet. Yeah, but they never 
they win never, they never the tag reco- titles. They never recover from this no. puppet situation, by no. the way. No, and Hawk leaves like SummerSlam 92 is his last thing. Animal lingers around until the fall with Crush as his tag partner on house shows. Then, in February of 97, LOD returns. Now, they had been in WCW and in the meantime. When they came back, I was very happy. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was a big deal in like the mid-90s? Yeah, in 97 yeah. when they appeared on Raw. I'm standing ovation, ladies and gentlemen, for an American original. Look at out, Raw, here they go! Because you know what? In that WCW run, I remember when they went back there and they kind of were like not doing anything. Like they were just not like, really. It's like LOD's good and they like <laughs> beat the Steiner brothers yes. up or some shit. Like they it, had a good match with the Steiners. Right. But it was like they felt like very. How do I put I, there's teams that are like this. And I, I, I don't think we talk about enough that they're international, meaning like they're teams that like traveled across like the British Bulldogs, the Steiner brothers, the, the LOD. LOD. Yeah, sure. Like these teams that Furnace like, and LaFon. Furnace and LaFon. Like these teams that are like they do shots in different spots right and like they're associated with with big promotions but they're not always there and lod was like one of those teams right and their wcw their next run in wcw felt like it was just another shot it was just like another like okay we're gonna do this now for like a couple months in like 96 or something probably doing shots off of strippers named bambi but in the meantime here let's get back to the wwf yeah but you're right i agree they return to the wwf I think it was that Manhattan Center ECW Raw. I can't remember. I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. They don't win the titles for a while. They feud with the Godwins in the spring of 97, but they do get another chance at the gold, and that is on the October 7th now. So this is like eight months after they return. Yeah, I remember being like very much later <laughs> yeah. once they like came back. It was. It was a long time. And I, you know what? To be fair to them, they propped up a division that needed a big team in the middle of it because... Yep. Personally, I want to say this this thing about that that weird like ninety five ninety six division actually like wasn't bad from like a match perspective. Like, I think the Godwins are a very like underrated tag team. They're pretty good. Um, you had the British Bulldog, smoking and guns Hart, are good, smoking guns. Like, you had like a decent division. It just needed like a a superstar team to kind of like to anchor it, essentially, anchor it just to say like they're there, so right. that it props up the rest of the teams because like oh, it's really competitive. You Correct. Know? Yeah, and I think the LOD fit that bill in ninety seven. Yeah. They win the titles on Raw October 7th. They beat the Godwins, mm-hmm. who had won them like the day before or something like right. that at Bad Blood in your house from the Headbangers. So that was kind of the progression. Headbangers, Godwins, Yeah, that's another, te- another team. I, I really think that that's, that could be its own topic. It's like that weird like mid-90s, like actually pretty decent division, yeah. but just like the teams didn't have star power. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the Headbangers are a solid team yeah. in the ring. Really, they are. So the LOD win them, and it's like, okay, I guess we're doing this again. But there's this new team. Of the former Rockabilly yeah. and the former Double J, Jesse James. And they are pissed off in this new Attitude I Era. Love, I love the early days of this team because they really take it to Hawk and Animal. They were, yeah. Oh, but my God, right? They're like, fuck these guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, they, they, it's almost like, to me, it almost felt like revenge for screwing over Demolition in my, in my, in my kid brain. I was like, yeah, go get them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these jerks. And uh, a lot of people are like, oh, how disrespectful that the LOD are treated this way. You mean JR? (laughs) (laughs) How disrespectful. Wait a minute! supposed to do do the LOD just supposed to keep winning forever and ever yeah is that what's supposed to happen i now, don't, don't understand now don't they like 
okay, I remember a distinct episode of Raw where they like shave yeah, Hawk's Hawk. head. Oh, they shave his stupid head and he looks dumb. Yes. Dumber, you yeah. should say. Yeah. Now, doesn't this lead, though, to like all that weird, like, Hawk is drunk shit? <laughs> Like, you know, Not when really. he, like, he's, like, later. walking it's, on the Titan Tron. later. It's okay. like a year later. Oh, God. So, it's all connected in my brain. So the LOD beats them in November 24th, 1997 Raw. The New Age Outlaws are here, and that's it for the LOD as champions. They essentially, they would feud with uh, the Outlaws a little bit into 98. If you mm-hmm. remember Royal Rumble 98, they have a match against them. I felt like they were always feuding with them. Yeah. Like, for, like, till the end. Like, till the, they just kind of phased out of WF. Pretty much. They become uh, the LED 2000 at WrestleMania 14 with the Sunny, feuding with DX a little and bit. And they never won them then, huh? Never felt, won them back. Because the tag tails back then switched so much. I thought there must have been, like, a, a, a strange, like... Two no. week long LOD 2000 run. But no, no, that was it. That's weird. So those are their reigns. There really wasn't much to the the first one. Great win. One pay per view defense against the disasters. Kind of crappy. <laughs> Lose them at a house show. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Second reign, they win them from the Godwins. And then they lose them to uh, the New Age Outlaws. That's it. Which the New Age Outlaws were on their way up. So it was kind of like. And it made sense. Yeah. What are they going to do? Just always win? Hey, New Age as fuck. Why don't you say that one more time, and maybe someone will agree with you. Legion of Dill Hole. What really like made the New Age Outlaws seem like good. It's like, oh, oh they yeah. beat the shit out. Like, they destroyed them. Like, well, it, of course. It, JVC kaboomboxes <laughs> on people's heads. Like, they were just that era. <laughs> I love the New Age Outlaws. I can't wait to talk about them eventually. I hope we get to. Yeah. But that's the LOD's reigns. I mean, I get why they were voted on, because they're just so memorable, and you think LOD, you gotta think one of the greatest tag teams, but... As WWF Tag Team Champions, we'll have to see where they rank. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Not, it's not a lot to it, but we'll find out what happens now because we have number six coming out. You ready? Yeah, definitely. Let's do it. Matilda's been through some very vigorous training, special training. Well, Quinn, as Ozzy Osbourne once said, British Bulldogs forever. Yeah, he was their manager. He for, was their manager. For their whole careers. He, he guided them to the tag titles. Yeah. So this is the this is this one makes sense. I expected these guys to make it, the British Bulldogs. Yeah, very notable tag team, especially in WF in, tag division. In WF tag division. So that's obviously the Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith. Now, we all know Dynamite started wrestling when he was like eight or something in yeah. his underpants. Yeah, well, we, we know we, about we that. We covered that last <laughs> yeah, week. We covered that. And uh, Davy Boy Smith was another one that started yeah. wrestling when he was like one or whatever you right. know i mean that's, that's, the what they, that's what they did back then <laughs> yeah. davy boy smith here he is eight years old <laughs> like, what and they were a great team obviously the, this was an international team like that, you were saying again another international absolutely yeah. for real i think they started teaming up in like 83 you know what no they feuded first right that was the great thing about this. Like, Davey was newer, and Dynamite Kid was, even though they were both young, they, like, he was formed yes. based off the feud. They formed based off the feud. I think they were over in Japan, obviously Stampede. And when Vince McMahon, remember him, great guy, yeah. tremendous guy, just, the just best. great uh, owner of Stampede Wrestling <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the in the mid nine in the mid eighties <laughs> yeah. and whatever. Stampede owner Vince McMahon. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it is. He bought it specifically to get a handful of people: the British Bulldogs and Bret Hart. Yeah, really, it's really, I mean, it's kind of an expensive <laughs> endeavor to buy a whole promotion just to get three people. You know what, though, at least <laughs> Stu maybe had money to get his kids teeth brushes or something like that. Well, it's true. I mean, how much could it possibly cost? Like fifty bucks or? Something? something canadian or u.s canadian <laughs> yeah so anyway so vince buys stampede he gets both dynamite kid and british bulldog and they become a team in the world wrestling federation in uh, 84 85 actually 
around the same time you have the Hart Foundation becoming a team, right around the time of WrestleMania 1. Great tag division here. Killer Bees. Mm-hmm. Rougeau brothers come in. Mm-hmm. Not fabulous yet, just regular. It's very competitive division, and that's why Brett would always say they had these great matches with the Bulldogs, which they did if you've ever seen you one know, of we them. We had the best matches on uh, those house shows. You know, people would come away and they'd say, I don't know about the phony crap the Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy are doing, but you know, the other one was real. That was a good match. <laughs> he always he loves his like, work, it's man. Real. He loves his work. And, you know, it reminds uh, me of when I uh, fought the bullies on the blacktop, you know? Fellow salty little boy. Yeah. He just calls heart fart. They like to call us heart fart. Anyway, uh, so the Bulldogs gain a reputation in the WWF, even. Not known as a work rate territory, okay? Yeah. As these are great wrestlers, and the fans loved them because they were great. Literally, they got over by being great wrestlers, which was rare. Back. It was rare in WWF, to and be especially fair. Especially the Dynamite Kid oh, really God. stood out. Yeah, and they worked well as a team because the kid yeah. was the real workhorse, and David could be kind of the power guy, the fill in guy. The enforcer. You know, like, like it's Arne like, a, yeah, like, but just the, like, the idea of, like, well, D- Dynamite's doing all this high-flying shit, and sometimes he, like, misses, so he's got to, like, tag out so that this big strong man, yeah. like, beats the fuck out of the other guy <laughs> until Dynamite can, like, recover from his usual, like, entire match-long, like, headache. You know what I mean? Like, where yeah. he's, like, hanging on the thing. All That's, this- like, every match. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, so the Bulldogs work their way up, and they get a shot for WrestleMania 2 against the Dream Team. That would be, of course, Quinn. Johnny Valiance, Brutus Beefcake, and Greg Valentine. Now, I want to say something here. Say it. We talk shit about the Dream Team sometimes on this show, but um, what? during... We have. We <laughs> oh, have, sorry. I, I've looked back and we have, actually. So, <laughs> I've looked back? Yeah, it's true. Okay, but, sorry. Uh, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> yes? Is during that period of time when they were the tag team champions, they were having like this string of great like house show matches in MSG, I believe. Probably. Like, where they were like very good. Like They were like the sub-main event. The Dream Team is a good team. Yeah. They really were. And they had feuded with the British Bulldogs. They feuded with the Bulldogs, and they were uh, very over his heels because, first of all, look at Brutus Beefcake. Who, why wouldn't you boo him back he then, right? He wears a bow tie. He looked like an asshole. Yeah. And Greg Valentine's a big curmudgeon. There's yeah. nothing to like about him back then. Notable and, soccer mom. <laughs> notable soccer mom. And Johnny V, yeah. for crying out loud, mm-hmm. uh, Keskase and all that. So it made total sense. What was great is, this was actually a big match at WrestleMania 2. The standout wrestling match, probably. Oh, 100%. Right? I mean, it's a great match. Now, there's a spot in this, right, where, like, Davey or Dynamite or somebody, like, almost gets killed. It's Dynamite. Yeah. And then he has a headache the whole time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> British Bulldogs forever, yeah. and they win the belts. Davey Boy perched up on that second rope. What's he thinking about? Oh. Holy Moses rammed right head first. And got it. And it was a nightmare yeah. for the Dream Team. And Gorilla never stopped reminding us. <laughs> In the Rosemont. Yeah. So now we have new tag team champions. Big moment. Mm-hmm. Big pop. Everyone loved it. Ozzy Osbourne in this pink suit loved mm-hmm. it. Kathy Lee Crosby loved it. I've never even been at wrestling, and this is great. Like, I don't even know what wrestling is. Yeah. Gorgeous George, was he a wrestler? Yeah, my dad. <laughs> he, he watched him. <laughs> it's real, folks. Problem is, they're pre-Big Four era of pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. So they never defend them on pay-per-view because there wasn't one for them to, to defend them on, unfortunately. Yeah. But on the house show loop, I mean, these guys had some great matches and they were respected teams, but they dropped them January of 87 to none other than the Heart Farts. Yeah, so they dropped them to the Heart Farts. Now, how long is this reign for the Bulldogs? That's nine months. It's nine months. Here's the thing is I feel like this reign is not covered very much. It's not covered because there's no pay-per-views as the and main thing. And I think thing, also you know? it's very house show based. 
It because is. Because they, they were having great matches on the house show circuit. Yes, you they know, were. With, like, the Heart Foundation and, Absolutely. and Killer Bees and all this shit, right? Sheik and Volkoff. Yeah, Sheik and We're Volkoff. still taming, yeah. Yeah, like, all the all the mainstays of 1986 yep. tag teams, yep. which was, it's like, a good division. Yeah, the problem is it's just an unknown reign, you're right, yeah. because there's no, other than the tele, the weekly television, which you don't get a lot of tag title defenses on that back yeah. then, when they finally do, it's against the Heart Foundation on Superstars, aired in February, I think, I can't right. remember, took place in January, Danny Davis helps the hearts win dynamite had injured his back anyway and couldn't wrestle now i have to say even if dynamite's hurt during this yeah the whole production even <laughs> what dynamite everyone worked in this this was great like oh, the I, whole angle's great. I love this whole like even though dynamite is fucked up and he can't work he makes it work he works with it right like Absolutely. He, he works with it davy does his bit you know, everyone does it. Jim and Brett and, and Jimmy Hart, Danny Davis, Danny Jimmy. Davis. Like everyone's on board. We're gonna make this something, right? And they and they really turn this into a huge heat drawing angle. That even though the tag titles weren't defended at WrestleMania three, that's a centerpiece match at three, right? With the Danny Davis and the Hearts against Bulldogs and uh, Tito. Tito, thank you very much. Danny Davis wasn't wearing khakis anymore, but he was being such a flagrant asshole during right. the Heart Foundation match. Remember, he actually leaves with them. It's like it's the, so good. The big reveal. Finally, this is, this is what I mean by like <laughs> the, whatever they did here. They even though there was an injury involved, they made it work. They did make it work. Yeah. So it was actually like I have to say, it's a pretty strong title loss. Like meaning, like it was like well done by the champions to drop the belts. Right, and the Bulldogs didn't look bad. And the hearts they didn't look like look, they got screwed over. Right. And the hearts didn't look weak. It just looked like they, they got one up. You know what yeah. I mean? And so it worked out nice. What is this? Here it is. The, the heart owns line. No, no, no. Three. We have new champions of the world. But that's it. That's our only run. Why do you think they got so many votes? I think because that, first of all, Gorilla just won't stop reminding people <laughs> about that fucking nightmare shit. It was a nightmare. Um, to but be fair. like, Especially, I know we have a larger British fan base. Yes, we do. And they are really, they are truly considered like heroes within that wrestling community. Well, that's true. A lot of our British fans saw these these guys wrestling in their tidy whities when they were like six years old. Yeah, you know, exactly. So it's a big deal. And their like knickers our, or whatever our, it is. Our homeboys, you know, they yeah. won the tele- tag titles. And it, it really was like... Saw it on the telly. I, ha- I can't say enough how I think international teams like that who identify like with a nationality so strongly like the British Bulldogs like they're literally called the British Bulldogs yeah it's in their name their home country was actually like prideful and it was very memorable that they won the tag team titles at Wrestlemania it's a good point Quinn and and I don't like to throw around the word deserved too much but they did deserve to win them right they were the best team there and And they had it they they, were respected they had truly established themselves in Canada and and UK before like they weren't they weren't just bullshit no, you know, like, not the British bullshit. It, it, it felt like it was so well deserved, right? They were I really lighting up the everything since like what eighty three or eighty four. Like they were yeah. just they were just crazy good. Stampede Japan, Europe. That being said, it did feel like somewhat of a courtesy run to kind of recognize them as kind of like yeah, they did really they had really good matches and they they still are having really good matches, sure. but it wasn't like. There was no way WF could capture how great they were outside of WWF because they were just like, they were literally like breakouts. Like they were, especially their Japan shit is like so ahead of its time. Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Dynamite especially. And WF didn't have like, A, they didn't have like the workers and B, like they didn't really have the audience to really recognize what they were doing because that, that audience was more used to the bombast of like Hulk Hogan and stuff. 
Yeah. And, and, and Savage. Dynamite and Kid like and British Bullet were more like technical wrestlers, technical tag team. Yeah. I mean, about all they really had that could match them on that level was the Heart Foundation. Right. And you can't do that a million times. I mean, they did, but. And I got to say, another thing they, they did have going for them, I always thought Dynamite had a really good look. Whatever his body type or whatever was in the moves he was doing, there was just something appealing about it, right? It was just like this little guy, but he, he does crazy shit. And he hit hard. And he hit fucking hard. And he moved quick. Yeah, and it was just like, there was something about him that stood out to a lot of fans. They were like, this guy's awesome. If you put him with Davey Boy Smith, they're like unstoppable. They're like yep. a, a, a super team, you and, know? And they were, yeah. Yeah. I think if the Bulldogs had been able to, let's say 1985 Bulldogs had existed in 1989 WWF. Oh, they would have been much bigger. Because you could feud, feud them with the Brain Busters. Yeah. With the Fabulous Demolition. Rougeos. Demolition. Like, I know that 88 Bulldogs fought demos in the Rougeos, but it's but not they were, the same. They were, Dynamite they, was broken down. Dynamite was broken down, and like the other teams had risen so high that right. it was like... The Dynamites couldn't get by on just, like, technical wrestling alone. They had right. to have some kind right. of... Like, that's why they did the Matilda thing. They were trying to give them, like, personality. Yeah. As bad as it was. But they were trying to give them something to, like... Oh, well, like, younger... That the kids could connect yeah, with. Yeah, younger fans could recognize. Right. Like, oh, that's the team with the dog named Matilda. Right. Like, you know <laughs> yes! I, like, no, yeah. she gets a lot of mail. Yeah. She's a very she, good manager. And she also <laughs> allows them to sell... um subscriptions to like <laughs> magazines and shit and or whatever craig, craig to george watches out over all that stuff. i'm sure that really boistered ike pro once it eventually came out like all having all those addresses from the matilda <laughs> sure it boistered yeah. it boistered Bolster, bolstered bolstered so. boistered's good though yeah. too but anyway that's the british bulldogs yeah i think you're spot on with your analysis as to why they made it uh, and i think they deserve to be on the list i agree but we'll have to see where they rank it is ranking time we'll run them down for you one more time folks we got the demolition Heart Foundation, the Dudley Boys, and the Brain Busters. we got to start with the LOD. Uh, we'll start them against the Brain Busters, I guess, Quinn. Yeah, sure. They're better. They're better than the Brain Busters yeah, as you know WWF here's the, here's tag the thing: is The Brain Busters, as much as I like them, they're not really a WWF tag team. I mean, to I be fair, like, they're not, like, th- that reign is... Is very courtesy, very like out of nowhere, very. It's like midsummer replacement, essentially. I don't know. Like I, to this day, I'm still confused by like, was it necessary? Like, could you made the Brainbusters have like a hot feud in the summer against the Demolition and be the same thing? Now I don't have any confirmation on this, but what I'm wondering is if they won them, then gave their notice towards the end of the run, and that's why they took it off of them. Maybe, and I'm just spitballing here. Maybe the plan was to keep it on them all the way until WrestleMania six and have Demolition win them back. Three peat would happen then. That's just or a no, guess. Three peat, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah it would have been a two, repeat. Yeah, repeat. <laughs> that's just a guess. Uh, I, mean, I don't back know. Then, back then, it wasn't really about how many reigns; it was how no. long it was. Yes. So it's exactly. like they they just had an, a cool thing they could say. It was like, oh, the only three time right. champion. Or not only were they the only three time champions. Like as a like one team at that point in time. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Probably. There was guys like Tony Garrida had the tag tails a million times, but with different people. Samoans had them a couple of times, didn't they? They might have had them. Didn't they lose them to Pedro and Backlund, but then they like vacated that, so the Samoans won them again? Maybe. And Mr. Fuji. He had them like a million times with like so many different people, right? Saito and also uh, Tanaka. But anyway, I would have to say they're better than the Brain Busters, the LOD, because they were supposed to be like the pushed tag team, like the figurehead oh, yeah. of the division. They, they were actually like, they were behind them for a full year, yeah. like as their premier tag team. Absolutely. Now, what about the Dudleys, though? The Dudley boys, it, here's the thing. It's like a lot of reigns. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. I feel like it's not about the titles as much with the Dudleys. Yep. The Dudleys were like, 
they were good because of like what they did, not so much as being the tag team champions. Right, what they injected into the division. Yeah. A little excitement, a little brawling style, a little tables, that type of thing. Right. But as champions, I think we covered it when we went over them, they were kind of never the team when they were champions. Right. Edge and Christian were yeah, during that time. that's true. So the LOD, I would say, are better. Wow. Than the Dudleys. <laughs> wow. I will. No, I agree with you, but I'm because surprised. I, Lenient mood today, huh? <laughs> it's not that. It's just that it's like, I think they're going to hit a wall with the Heart Foundation. I don't think the LOD is better than the Heart Foundation in any way. As, as WF? Ta- as WF Tag Team Champions. I think that's like the plateau that they hit. And, you know, partially the, I don't know, the LOD kind of needed the Tag Team titles, too. You think so? Yeah, because at the end of the day, like when they first came in, people were like, why is this demolition? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, why are they telling us that this is like they're better somehow? Yeah, right, right. You know? Let's see. I think the hearts instinctively, you know, I'm always going to say Bret Hart's better. But yeah, <laughs> but let's be honest here. The hearts had two reigns and so did the LOD. The hearts were rare because they had a heel reign and a face reign. Which right. is kind of cool, right? Yeah, that's true. And when they were the heel, again, they didn't really have the benefit of defending it on pay-per-view, which always stinks, you know yeah. what I mean, with some of these teams. You I don't just, think that's what matters, though. It doesn't. I mean, the LOD didn't really defend it on pay-per-view either, just right. once. <laughs> yeah. But the LOD, again, though, it's like very courtesy, but I, I, you know, I think the initial run, this is even with and without the tag titles, but from like 90 to like 91, they were okay. Right. It's, it's like once they got to like once they were the champions, it was like, what the fuck are they even here for? Like, you know what I mean? It was like they won the titles. Cool. Yeah. And then they just have a crappy finish against uh, what are they? Did they win by DQ or count out or something against the natural like the disasters win? I don't even I don't remember. remember. Rumble. No one cares about that much at Rumble 92 because you're like, just waiting for the Royal Rumble. I don't Rumble. even think about that <laughs> match. Right. Like ever. Like ever. It's the least important match on the entire card. Yeah. It is, seriously, because everyone knows the opener. The, the opener's new, good. The new foundation of the Express. Everyone knows Piper Mountie. Yeah. And the Jameson because of Bobby. Right. He's hilarious. All that shit's good. And, and then, then there's, <laughs> there's like this thing squeezed yeah. in with this. It's like nobody really cares. <laughs> right. Because the natural disasters, they like they seem too nice to be a threat as yeah. a heel team. I don't know what it is. It's and like, the Hart We're Fa- gonna beat you. <laughs> and the, see here's the thing, it's the Hart yeah, Foundation sorry. demolition, like yeah. the WWF tag title division in general, that's like their stomping grounds. Yeah, true. Like the LOD are kind of like this like new threat but they're never in wwf canon the problem is is that the teams that solidified this division yeah they're kind of like not teams anymore as much you That's know by this problem. point and like LODs, like why are they here like yeah the, all the other teams have like left right like, yeah you're right though led dispatches the nasties and then they just feud with the fucking natural disasters and that's it yeah Zed. yeah so yeah and the only, again the only reason i say they're better than the dudleys is because like the dudleys like it's a different time, and, like, the LOD are memorable. It's like the Dudleys yes. were just kind of there, and, like, they, they won the tag titles because it was just, like, available. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. it was just like, it's like, well, you gotta do something, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, whereas... When you're in a bunch of ladder matches with belts hanging from <laughs> yeah. the sky, it's like, eventually, <laughs> but, you're gonna win them a bunch. But if the Dudleys never won them, you'd still remember them just as much, right? right? I yeah. mean, it's... All right. So LOD, will, we'll put it number three, but we don't think they're getting past the hearts one yeah, way or another, never. right? Okay. Like, no way. So, LOD number three. Let's bring in the Bulldogs now. Woof, woof. Yeah, woof, woof. Are the Bulldogs better than the Brain Busters? I think so. Yeah, Ooh. definitely. Okay, good. 100%. Okay. Because cause it's just, again, it's the Brain Busters. Why does this rain exist? The thing. incidental rain, right? Yeah, that like, didn't really accomplish anything. It was just there to kind of, like, 
I don't know, do something for the summer. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. Great team. Love them. Yeah. Okay. Bulldogs versus the Dudleys. I think they're better. They're, this is what I want to I want to make this big point about the British Bulldogs in general. Yeah. I think they're one of the establishing teams of like the best version of that tag division ever. Which is like 85 to 89. Yes. Right. And I think that's going to carry them a lot like throughout this list is like just being like one of those foundational teams, no pun intended, our foundation, but like one of those like literally like the foundation of like the WF tag division being actually good. Yeah, because you could have you could put them in there with anybody, anybody in that same division. Yes. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. Whether you'd want to do a face match with the killer bees, which I don't know if they ever did, but they could have. Whether it's Sheik and Volkov, the Dream Team, the Heart Foundation. And you could ha- hand the tag titles even after they lost them. Like At any point, like the Bulldogs up to like 88, you could have just been yeah. like, well, they could be the tag team champions. Yep. If, yeah. they, if they had beaten Demolition at WrestleFest 88 or whatever that was. People would be like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Right? It's <laughs> right. like, it's at the British Bulldogs. They, they were the champions yeah. before, and they're one of the best teams in the, in, the, in the division here. Yeah, it's too bad that the Islanders feud was bogged down by the whole Matilda storyline because the Islanders could work, man, when they wanted to. Yeah, they on, could. On paper, that looked like a great feud. Yeah. Like, it was like, barring that, whatever that shit was at Rumble 88, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's something know. else, but yeah. Yeah, the Islanders could work, too, and they, they probably had good matches that I haven't seen. So you think the Bulldogs are better than the Dudleys? I think they are. Yeah. I, I think they are. I just think their reign was more It's important. unfortunate that the Dudleys are bogged down by, like, they're really caught up in, in the, the spot era of that tag division. That, yeah. Like, the whole, like... Um, spectacle matches. Spectacle matches and a lot of faster title changes and shorter reigns and things I mean, like that. to be fair to that, that yeah. was kind of the appeal of that time was that the way they portrayed the division in the Dudley's time is that it was so good that's why the titles changed hands because the teams were so on the same level that any given Sunday they would they could beat each other, right? Yeah, that's fair, Quinn. Like that, to be it fair, is, it's like a different it, time. It, was bef- it was before it got like out of hand and just felt not like nothing right like when the dudleys and the hardys and edge and christian when those titles have changed hands it did feel like a big deal but it was like the way it was portrayed it was like all these teams they got each other's number like sure. it's like they they could you know it could it could be edge and christian's day to day it could be the dudleys it could be the hardys day to day right like you know you know the thing is though about the dudleys is outside of that feud with the, with those two other teams yeah. Did they really do anything else memorable as tag to champions? Be, to be fair, most of these divisions consist of three to four teams anyway. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. That, like, fair. even in the Heart Foundation's day fair. stuff. Yeah, you're Realistically. Right. Okay, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. So when it comes to the British Bulldogs then and LOD, where do you think them? Because they're similar in the sense that they both should have been the champions when they were, the Bulldogs right. and LOD, right? Yeah. Okay. This is honestly, and this is not like a slight against the Legion of Doom, and this is why I said this at the beginning and why I think this, is that because of that like foundation of the division, the the British Bulldogs, I think they edged the Legion of Doom out. And I think there's a logical reason why they're not better than the Heart Foundation. Okay. If you agree with that. Let me just think about that. Yeah. I think they're very similar in the sense that they both had very big title wins, the LOD and the Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. Really, like memorable big title wins. Right. I think the Bulldogs' reign, though, ended more conclusively mm-hmm. because the LODs, they just drift away off screen. And get a and puppet. <laughs> so cool. And their second reign were barely... That's That was to put the New Age Outlaws over. And, the second LOD and reign. And Godwins and all the other yeah. teams that exist, headbangers and all that shit. And yeah. that was cool, right? Yeah. 
But I think you're right. I think there's something to the Bulldogs being the champions of that tag division yeah. in 86. Yeah. I think there's something to that. And kind of launching it, really. And so really, that was yeah. good until like 89-90. Yep, I agree yeah. with you. So I can put them above the LOD, but what is your reason for why the Bulldogs stop at the Hart Foundation? Because the Hart Foundation, they were in the mix with the Bulldogs, but they took it to the next level. Okay. I don't know. It just felt more like succinct and like the division they they felt more of a finished product than the the british bulls bulls always felt like they hit a plateau like they were like we're this technical team but that's all we really are like the Hart foundation started to get a little bit more personality you got the wacky anvil yeah. and and bret hart kind of this serious but kind of cool yep character that was his character yeah. and like the, they they added a little gimmick gimmickry to like the whole thing and the thing is, is that it's weird because this list kind of portrays it. I feel like Demolition took that to the another level where it was like, we're going to be a little bit even more gimmick. More outlandish. A little less athletic, but the Demolition could go in the ring Absolutely. at the same time. They could when like they when, wanted to. When they needed to like have a long match. And the, and the proof was when they had that two out of three falls with the Har Foundation. It was a good match. And that's <laughs> really why, good. But the Demolition kind of like, they were like the fully formed of this division. The fully like, formed, like, ideal, the finished product of right. what a WWF tag team champion could be. Yeah. So you think the steps were, like, the Bulldogs, then the Hart Foundation, and then Demolition? Exactly. Like, went right in order. Yeah, I can get behind that, actually, You take Quinn. a little bit of the wrestling away, and that's what Demolition is, right? Yep. But, and, but you add some of that LOD from the other, from the outside, some of that power and, like, that, yeah. that, that kind of coolness. Yep. And I think the Hart Foundation's second run was important, too, because it gave a credible team the titles that they could hand off to the Nasty Boys. Well, I think it's what established the Hart Foundation even on this list. Was their second run. Right, because it's like, whoa, okay, like the Hart Foundation, they took a break from the tag titles, right, and they came years. back, and they were just as good. Okay. I like this. I like yeah. this ranking here. I think the Bulldogs at number three is very fair, considering the Bulldogs only had one run, and not a lot of pub was and given I, on and it. And I think even, like, just the Legion of Doom being right below them, it's, like, perfect. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to finalize it here? Yeah. Okay, folks. So for this week, why don't we give some congratulations to the new entrants here? Still number one, still the best, Demolition, and still number two, the Hart Foundation. But big congratulations to the British Bulldogs making number three and the Legion of Doom making number four. That edges out the Dudleys and the Busters down to five and six, respectively. But you know what, Quinn? This is a good list here. And, folks, you can let us know what you think. Be sure to do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But, Michael, when we come back, we haven't been to Canada in a while. We haven't. It is Maple Leaf Wrestling, and that is coming up right after this, eh? The Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith have a mascot of their own, if you will, Matilda. You know what, Killer Ken? You just named off all the tag team combinations while trying to get these belts from the British Bulldogs. And you also named off the tag team combinations manager. Managers, I should say. And all those managers, what you named off, Killer Ken, they're all real bad managers and they'll do anything to interfere so the other guys will win. So we went out and we got Matilda, our new mascot, to make sure that none of the managers will interfere no more. And speaking of that, Dynamite, when we were talking off camera a minute ago, how much of a power bite did you tell me Matilda has? You know something, Casey, she's got something like a 75-pound to an 80-pound pressure bite. With it being an old English bulldog, the jaws do lock. So anybody who interferes with the British bulldogs outside the ring and Matilda's there, then they could be in big trouble, Ken. 
Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast. Hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast here. It's episode number 175. And we hope you're doing well. Thanks for being with us here. We're romping along, Quinn. Very romp. A lot of romp. Uh, we're doing Maple Leaf Wrestling, WWF Maple Leaf Wrestling, that Remember is. this? Yeah, I do. Uh, last week, we were down in Texas. Howdy. Howdy, partner. And we wanted to uh, go to the Canadian version of Texas, I guess. The Great White North. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, we needed a bit of a palate cleanser because we've been all over the place lately. We were over in England. We were down in Texas. We just needed some WWF. But a little bit of a twist on this. It's WWF Maple Leaf Wrestling. Very international. Very international. Mm-hmm. And I guess we should explain what that is, shouldn't we? <sighs> yeah. Okay. What, what is this, Joe? Welp. In 1984, Jack Tunney, the promoter of the Toronto area wrestling, mm-hmm. he had been working previously, him and his uh, uncle, Frank Tunney. Yeah. Frank Tony. This flunky Billy Red Lions. <laughs> yeah, this flunky Billy Red Lions. They've been working with uh, the NWA. They've been working right. with Jim Crockett and other people in the NWA. But Vince McMahon, remember that great guy, Vince he's, McMahon? He's really good. Apparently. Really good man. He bought, or he was able to finagle a deal, I should say, with Jack Tunney, where Tunney would exclusively promote the WWF in right. Canada. Now, I think this is actually like really hard to understand as a as a fan nowadays. Right. I have trouble understanding it. That, like, why couldn't Vince just say WWF's in Canada? Like, why does he need to, like, make a deal with okay. Tunney? That's like, a great question. <laughs> Here's why. Because in every other territory, he just fucking storm in, you know? It's business related. Yeah. So he could have done that, but it makes it easier now that he's dealing with the established promoter that has the established contracts and booking agents and general, like, contacts with arenas and prom- local promotion avenues right. and things like that. So basically, rather than try to do it himself, he just hooked up with Tony, who was already an established promoting presence in that yeah. area. That's the reason why. It, it just made his life easier. It's using one his less, resources. It's one of those situations where it's like, oh, well, one less thing to worry about. Correct. That's, that's all it is. And really, as a cost-cutting measure and to just finally sever this relationship... That's why Jack Tunney disappeared in the summer of 95 is because Vince did do what we're talking about and he took over just promoting Canada himself. And by that point, though, Tunney was kind of like, he wasn't really doing that anymore. He or wasn't something. doing as much of it. I mean, he was still the local promoter, but Vince said, you know what? Fuck it. A, cost cutting measures. You know, why pay him and why have all this? Just let's do it ourselves. We've been established now 11 years. Yeah. Like, if you're watching WF in Canada, you're like, I don't like what is Jack right. can't even have to do with this anymore, other than the president. And I'm sure that was the end game all along is yeah. at some indeterminate point, 
or I'll take over this myself, but for now I need the Tunnies. Right. That was kind of the deal. So anyway, that was June of 84 when Vince bought it out, and he started doing tapings in Canada, the same places the NWA used to, which would be uh, one of them is uh, Hamilton, Ontario, and things like that, Toronto, places like that. And that's also what All-Star in the U.S. became for a period of time. The mm-hmm. WWF All-Star Wrestling, you know, Gorilla Monsoon yeah, and that. Jesse during that time, they did that in the U.S. Now, however, in the early fall or late summer of 86, that is when, rather famously, Championship Wrestling became Superstars, mm-hmm. All-Star became Challenge, right? September of 86. Yeah. Maple Leaf became simply a rebranded, edited-up version of WWF Superstars, and it stayed that way until the mid-90s. It's weird, right? Because it's called WWF Maple Leaf, right? So it's yes. like, it, it, it pretends to be a name. different show. Right. Now, they did a very similar thing with Challenge, where they called it WWF Cavalcade in right. Canada. It's the same thing. Basically, it's like 95% superstars or challenge, yeah. and there's a little bit, and we're going to see it in this episode, of the local inserts. So, okay. Question. Yes. I've always heard this before, that there was some kind of rule on <laughs> Canadian TV that, like... Canadian content. Yeah, you had to have at least one thing where the both people were, like, everyone involved in whatever they were doing is from Canada. There's something where, yeah, there's something where it has to count as Canadian content, you're right. Which means they had, that. that's like why there was wrestlers on roster in general. (laughs) Maybe. So that you could just, it's like, oh, okay, both these guys are Canadian. Right. There's... I don't know if it's that the wrestlers had to be or it had to be from Canada. There was some kind of, yes, Canadian requirement, I guess. I don't know I the wonder rules. when that was lifted. I have no idea. Because that's a weird, you know. like, for any country, that's a weird thing. Yeah, I know. You know, if you really think about it. It is. No, it's, it's really like weird. It's like, like, hey, there has to be one thing on this show that's all Canadian. <laughs> right. So, if you know more about that, folks, obviously, please let us know. Do that on Twitter. You can put it on the group. But, Quinn, this is WWF Maple Leaf Wrestling. Let's get into it now. It is October the 29th. 1988. Yep, back to this time. Are we ever going to like, I feel like 88, 89, we've been like living there. We've been swimming there, really. We might as well have like went in the time machine and just spent a year there. <laughs> right. You yeah, know? we've done a lot from this period yeah. of time. Uh, but Quinn, it is the WWF, what the world is watching. Yep, you the know, the usual. midi thing, yeah. yeah. The WWF, what the world is watching. And then we get a cold open with an horrible green screen here mm-hmm. and speaking of green we're joined by sean mooney who's brand new and jesse ventura hello everyone and welcome to maple leaf wrestling i'm sean mooney along with jesse the body ventura it's very poor and what even is this team okay like so- <laughs> what is going on here so why is it mooney and ventura this is weird here's another little tidbit for you even though this was superstars essentially when they were near pay-per-view season, which this is, this is the build-up to Survivor Series, they would redub commentary instead of using the Superstar stuff to remove any references to the pay-per-view because in Canada, a large part of Canada, they didn't get these pay-per-views yet. Wait, that's the reason? Yes. It's, a, it's, not, it's not to hype the pay-per-view, but rather like to remove act it. like act like it's not there correct because superstars during you know the pre-pay-per-view weeks we know what that's like vince is just non-stop shouting oh, about the pay-per-view fucking buy it <laughs> right. like you know but in canada that's irrelevant they can't buy the pay-per-view so for when they would surround the pay-per-views you know 
Survivor Series, SummerSlam, things like that, they would actually have to have the announcers go back in and do new commentary. Weird. So this must be near the end of that, though, right? Because I feel like by 89, like the pay-per-views definitely were in Canada. Because, like, yeah. and, and definitely by WrestleMania 6. Yeah, right. You, you of know course. what I mean? So, like, that must have been near, <laughs> during the end of that. Like, maybe, maybe this Survivor Series 88 was, like, the last one like that. It's very possible. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're a Canadian fan or you know about this, you can tell us. But uh, that's the reason why we have this odd team of Jesse Ventura and Sean Mooney. I guess Vince didn't feel like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> he had already done the Superstars one. But Jesse's there. And his first line is really funny. He's like, you know, Mooney, I really don't get paid enough money to carry you through this. And that's probably true, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. You no, know, Mooney, I really don't get paid enough money to carry you through this. You realize that? Well, Mooney needed to be carried, and he'd be the first to admit it. They should have given Jesse just, like, Mooney's salary also added on. <laughs> you know, like, just his, whatever it was, like, for that show. Yeah, just give it to Jess. Like, a couple extra hundred bucks or whatever. <laughs> so, a very bland Maple Leaf Wrestling graphic just stays on the screen for way too long as Demolition's music hits. Yeah, it's a shitty graphic. We don't even get, like, a real opening no. showing, like, all Canadian content or something, you know? like Right, no, no syrup or Iron anything. Iron Mike Sharp slamming people. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just this horrible graphic on the screen. Uh, Jesse wants to know if Sean Mooney likes Demolition's music, and he's all, eh, well, I'm not exactly a heavy metal fan. Shut up, Mooney. Like, how do you hate this song? Like, what a doofus. <laughs> I don't like metal. What? You like this music, Mooney? Well, I'm not exactly a heavy metal fan, Jesse. Shut <laughs> Everyone likes that. It's like one of the best songs in WF history. I know. Even if you don't like metal, it's just like, it's rock. It's good rock. Yeah. Good action. Uh, the Demolition are the tag champs here. They make their way out. With Fuji, and they're going to be taking on John Latou and Mike Richards, not Kramer, yeah. not Michael Latou Richards. Latou looks like a modern-day Tony Cologne, which is, like, really strange. It's like an evolved-form Tony Cologne. Yeah, and Tony Cologne, folks, is a guy that we're familiar with from 82, 83. He's who, good! He's good. He's like a good, in-shape, credible-looking jobber. It's one of those guys that's like, I really wish I could follow the extensive history yeah. of, like, did he go to, like, EC Dub or something? Right. You know what I mean? Like, something weird. Right. And Latou is in that same vein. Good shape, good condition. You know, yeah. looks very good. Uh, Mooney... <laughs> Mooney says this matches for the tag titles. Okay, really? <laughs> like the rap. So when you, after he said this, Joe, I tell, I'm telling you what I did. I literally like paused it, went back, and just watched really slowly if the ref like raised them up. No way. Like, right? And he didn't. No, he just like grabbed not. the belts and took them away. Yeah, there's no way. And this match for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship. Jesse, by the way, already sounds bored, and that's a theme throughout the show. Jesse mm-hmm. does not seem like he wants to be here doing this. I don't think a lot of people want to be here <laughs> doing this, but... You're right. Uh, Smash and Axe double demolish Latou here. Freddie Sparta's going to be the referee, by the way. And seriously, how could this be for the belts? <laughs> like, <laughs> did like, Mooney just sh- make that shit up? I, yeah, but, he fucked up or something, or he's like, yeah, for the tag title. He, he was just like, well, you know, Latou and Richards, they <laughs> yeah. could, the, the big opportunity here. <laughs> Like, what? Like, when would that ever happen? It wouldn't. Never. After the body slam now on the two, as I noticed, Quinn, I don't know when they started doing this, but there's no sweetened crowd noise on this, so everyone sounds bored in the arena this whole show. You know, I don't think I'd care to be Latou or Richards right now, to be in there with the champions. It's a great opportunity for them, though, don't you think, Jesse? I mean, they could capture the tag team belts. That's really weird, because they usually are like, especially at this point in time, they're like ridiculous with the Sweden. It's like a little too much. A little too, Raph. Yeah. No, I checked, just for reference, I checked the Superstars, which is the same match as, you know, the same date. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not on there either, so it's not like they forgot to add it to this. It's not on hmm. the Superstars taping either, which is really strange. Maybe but- they just didn't feel the need for a Latou match <laughs> to do it. I don't know. Maybe. Smash comes in now, even though Mooney didn't see the tag. We get a flying mare, Mooney says, by Smash. Latou with a punch and tag to Richards, who just sucks ass. Clothesline by Smash and a tag to his partner, X. And they just <laughs> immediately hit the demolition like, decapitation. Yeah. Richards, like, walks in, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, he's punch, in now. Punch, and you're done. Yeah. That's the end of the match there. What even was that? That was like so short. It was like a minute. Yeah. Jesse's, again, so unamused. Uh, we now hard cut, hard cut. Very hard. To the Brother Love show. It's just so disjointed and like uninspired. Like everything about this show is weird. It is. It's very like blah, right? Yeah. Just like, like why are they like no intro? No nothing. hype. It's like, I mean, it literally starts with Jesse being like, I don't even want to do this. Yeah. Like he just frankly says it. I don't get paid enough money to be yeah. doing this. So, uh, Mooney admits now that he likes Demolition's music better than Brother Love's song, but his happy medium, Quinn, is uh, Christopher Cross and John Denver. Just shut up. <laughs> like, he is horrible on this. Oh, Christopher Cross, John Denver. Some real heavyweights. Is Christopher Cross, I'm sailing away? No, that's Eric Carmen. It's Who's, just like, <gasps> it's, it's just light rock. It's very soft rock, yeah. right? Brother Love tells us uh, that he loves us. Very nice. It's still so weird, Quinn. And Pritchard is new here, by the way, yeah. doing the Brother Love character. He's like 25. Yeah, he's very young, it's, and he's very... He just looks like the character. Yeah, the same, like, yeah. always, right? Like, Even, gonna, like, when he came back in the 90s, he still looked the same. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm going to be 35 this year. He's 10 years younger than me. Right. But he looks like he's 45 as Brother Love. It's incredible. Maybe he's kind of like one of those guys. Here's the benefit of that, right? It's like It's like he froze in age, <laughs> meaning so when he's actually in his 40s, it doesn't look like he's older. That's true. So there's though. kind of like a benefit to that, right? Yes. Because even now, I have to say, Pritchard's kind of what he's like. It's got to be in his sixties now, right? Fifty six, fifty seven. He looks good for his age. He does. Like he looks like he's in his forties now. Know. It, no, it's true. That's what I mean by like yeah. the benefit of being frozen into one age. <laughs> he's always like, been in his forties. I bet you when he's like sixty something, we're going to be like, wow, he's sixty. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's just incredible that he had such a long career too, right? Yeah. Like he was around right after WrestleMania three. He came in. It's true that's pretty crazy yeah. but anyway he rambles on and on brother brain and all this and, stuff and mooney won't stop talking over it. he's like ruining it i don't know oh, like answering everything brother loves to <laughs> shut you, up you're bad but brother <laughs> fuck you it's like uh, shut up mooney like this is this is shut up mooney the show it, it's like, horrible he, he's so like you just i can't tell you how many times i just screamed at my tv <laughs> shut up mooney like not in like a like not in a like being sarcastic making the wrestling reference being like no just seriously stop talking stop <laughs> what's he talking about Therefore, telling you what love is love that means gratitude can't you listen i am listening he's not making any Dude, sense to me Finally, after all the rambling, we get Hercules out here. What? And even Mooney's like, oh, I've had enough of all the stalling. So Hercules comes out to, like, zero reaction. The music is way too loud for a bit, so you can't even hear Hercules. Not that it matters anyway. He's, like, mumbling. (laughs) Brain stuff. Yeah. I don't even know what he's saying. Right. The whole crux of the matter here, the whole problem. Said Hercules was with Bobby Heenan. We all know that. He was very Hernandez for a while. Then he became the actual Hercules. Mm -hmm. But now Ted DiBiase wants to buy Hercules to be his slave. So Hercules is all upset. And he's like, 
How's that even possible? Well, it's a good question, but <laughs> you're true. not supposed to ask it as the like announcer. <laughs> right, right. Why won't he shut the fuck up? Like seriously. I don't know. Hercules says that he has his pride, he has his dignity, and no amount of money can take that away. So DiBiase is gonna feel the wrath of Hercules. From what? A punch? <laughs> like yeah, you know he has like three moves, right? <laughs> yeah. Slam, punch, and stomp. Yeah. Like, that's all he does. So all of a sudden now, what the hell? Macho Man's what is, music yeah, hits. What is this? Like him and Liz come out. Yeah. Like the whole regalia. The world champion. Yeah. Randy Savage comes out with Liz. Yeah. Brother Love's like, ah, what are you doing here? And Savage is like, uh, ever since I was a macho baby. Yes, he really says that. I can't believe this. <laughs> Everything I've read about mythology and Hercules is about self-respect and dignity. And he is seriously referring yeah. to as like the ageless <laughs> actual Hercules yes. and that's incredible and I have to give props to Macho Man for like keeping the canon yeah. of like from literally Wrestlemania 3 where he's like the pillars of Rome yep. and like I am actually Hercules like this is can I just say that this is one of my favorite things in WF in general is that Hercules the wrestler is supposed to actually be the real Hercules yes like I love he that. really is like I love that like and everyone just goes with it he's the Roman god Hercules like he that is him yes it's not it's not bullshit it's not like his nickname no 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 he listen they used to give him a last name just to make him seem more human that was like kind of like his clark kent persona right. <laughs> and like in the early days like i can't let them know i'm the real Hercules. right but then by wrestlemania 3 so you know what no i am fuck him it. i i am him so fuck it now yeah. yeah and savage you know we know that he's such a stickler for detail He's bringing it up. He's bringing it up. It must be true. Now, Savage is very happy for Hercules standing up against Teddy Biasi, and he wants to shake hands as Mooney calls Hercules the Mighty One. Uh, Brother Love asks, are you going to wash your hand when you live? And Hercules is like, you need to wash your mouth. This whole thing was some weird attempt. Yeah, what is this? To have Hercules be like a third mega power with Hogan and Savage. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever came no. of it, too. What was even this? Did it lead to anything? No, no like nothing happened. It's no. Like, this is the one time they're like, <laughs> shake hands and yeah. that's it. Well, you're good now. Are we and supposed to just remember that, like, I don't know, in case there's a save to be made that, hey, maybe Hercules will come out and help <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. I, Where was he? Where was he this whole time? Like, Nowhere. what about that time when, like, Miss Elizabeth got uh-huh. handcuffed? Why didn't Hercules like make a uh, scene? I didn't see him there. Yeah. Jerk. Jerkules. Uh, we go to commercial now. We come back with a plug for the uh, Kitchener Ontario House Show. Maybe that's in a kitchen. Shut up. Uh, before going back to ringside in the ring, Scott Casey, future Survivor Series competitor in yeah, November. That one time. <laughs> yeah. His opponent with Jimmy Hart is Greg the Hammer Valentine. And Jimmy's got the Lulu hair, and Valentine is very soccer mom. Like, very. <laughs> very bedhead soccer yeah, mom look. Oh, like, a lot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Jimmy, did you notice this, has the siren on for fun on like the megaphone? the whole match. <laughs> the whole fucking match. It's just on. I didn't know that he was still doing that that late, because it's more of like a mid-80s thing yeah, with like, the siren. <laughs> like, this is going on this entire, like, two-minute match, yeah. but still. <laughs> Referee is Dave Hebner, the good Hebner. Blatant clip at the start here, which is Valentine just chopping away. There's barely been any commentary, by the way, for the last 90 seconds. Did you notice that it just disappeared completely? I don't know what that is, because that happened multiple times. Yeah. And I don't know if, like, usually, it's always my thought that it's like Fink being like, we're going to be in fucking Ontario or something. Like, Maybe, but they're redubbing new commentary. So it wouldn't... Oh, you know what? You know what? Maybe it is? What? Remember how you said this is for Canada, but they're using the Superstars footage? Maybe this is when Fink was talking about the American tour dates. 
and they, and they, because remember, it was like, this is so sloppily put yeah, together. Would you put right. it past them no, to just right. like literally fucking mute the commentary when Fink's being like, and we're going to be in Wisconsin next yeah. week, you know, like bring your cheese hat. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, Quinn. Double, double chin lock by Valentine as Jesse references Sugar Ray Leonard and how Jimmy Hart should manage him. That, yeah, that. They, they're literally referring to the Lamont thing. Yes, whatever, that's right? coming up November 7th, I think yeah. it is. Yes. Oh my God. One week away. Uh, Jesse talks about how he boxed in the Navy and Mooney's like, I was in the Boy Scouts. He needs to, he needs to really shut up <laughs> during funny. this. Like, he is so annoying. <laughs> Knee by the hammer. He lands a single action on the top. Hammer time goes for the figure four. Jimmy turns the siren on again, and it's over. That was really brisk. And these matches are short. I'm kind of okay with that. No, though. I'm fine yeah. with it. The crowd, by the way, silent for like everything going on. I have no idea. Like <laughs> they that's, don't care at that's all. so awkward for this time period again because the sweetening was just yeah. so prevalent. They're just dead silent practically. Yeah. I was in the uh, Boy Scouts. Watch your box in the Boy Scouts. Apples and oranges. Billy Red Lions is now with us. Yes, that flunky from the worst possible green screen angle you could imagine. Man, was Billy Red Lions ever young? No, he's always like, like 60. Holy shit. Always. Like, he looks like Buddy Rogers, but like <laughs> yeah, just shittier. Was he a wrestler? He must have been, right? Oh, he had to What be. else would he have been? Let's was he friends here. with Wild Red Berry? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It seems like those two kind of names go together. Like, it'd be a good tag team. <laughs> so he was born in 1932. Good Lord. Dude. Died in 2009. And his real name is William Snip. <laughs> Come on. How, when did he like, retire from wrestling? 1984. Oh, my God. He's been retired forever by this point. Like five wow. years or something. Yeah. So he wrestled where? He was in the AWA? No. Was he? American Wrestling Association. Yeah, he was in the AWA. He was in big time in Detroit. Japan Wrestling Association, Anything, Georgia. It's, it's like one of those guys where like his career ended right when wrestling got big. So he's just yeah. kind of screwed out of the fame. Right when it went national, yeah. pretty much. Uh, but anyway, behind him, this is what I mean about the green screen, Yeah, is a match from the Maple Leaf Guard just going on in the background. Oh, yeah, it's just one of those like... I don't know. It's kind of like a. It's kind of like a background on your Apple TV. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like it's like just some video of like flying over something. Right, right. It's just real wide shot and yeah. just barely you can make out in the background. There's people wrestling. Uh, but Billy Red throws us to the Intercontinental Champion, the Ultimate Warrior. And the lighting is like all dim here, which is weird. Yeah, on the promo, like, just for this. Yeah, just on that promo, Warrior yells something. I don't know about castles and sinning. I never know what he's talking about. But this package didn't put his things in a bag and walk out no front door. I was sitting in the castle from a place long from here, and I came here for one reason: to attack and keep coming. Something about swelling and getting bigger, and then he like talks like Yoda for a yeah. second. Like he's like, you know that part in Star Wars where he's like, didn't know where it was going or what he was doing. Like, <laughs> like Warrior like talks like that yeah. line. Yeah, it's very very weird and also steroids, <laughs> like lots of them. It's real. It's all real. And then we go back to Billy Red, who's like, I'm not sure I understood everything he said. Just, I'm not sure I understood everything yeah. he said. Yeah. We now go to Bad News Brown, who has a message for his people in Harlem. When he becomes the new WWF champion, what they're they're gonna hang out at 125th Street and have a big ass party, basically talking about shit that never happens because he never wins. <laughs> nope, like, he never does. He just he has this feud with Hogan, and then remember, like years later, he was like, "I left because they 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 said I was gonna beat Hogan." I'm like, nobody I don't, beats I don't Hogan. Think, nobody yeah. fucking beats Hogan. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah, 
It's very rare. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, hard cut back to the Rockers here. Yay. Who have entered the ring to take on this all-star combination of Sandy Beach. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Sandy Bitch. <laughs> Sandy yeah. Bitch. And Brian Costello. Uh, Mooney laughs at the Sandy Beach name. I mean, name. it's hard not to, yeah. to be fair to him. <laughs> and he turns it into a Muddy Waters was, reference. Yeah, that was really that was weird. Good. Yeah. Dirty Lake? Well, I don't know. Sandy Beach. You know of any other kind? No, but he... Probably maybe it was Muddy Waters for a while or something. Uh, that's clever, Mooney. Dirty Lake? I don't know. Jimmy Corderas and his full head of hair are the referee here. Also, can I just say, Jesse seems so in- uninspired by this point. Like, yes. he's really done with this. And maybe even angry yeah. that he's, like, doing Like, like he doesn't even, like... Now it's just, like, kind of bitter. He's not doing his, like, announcer voice. He's right. doing, like, the, you know, gorilla. Like, that yeah, voice, the quiet one. Like, uh, what? It's, it's just like, oh, I don't want to be here. It's like, oh, there's a hammer lock. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? You know, it's like yeah, that. It is. Doesn't help. Sean starts with Costello here off the ropes. Crisscross tag to Gennetti, who leaps off with a forearm after an atomic drop by Sean. Costello now with a forearm and a tag to the beach, who looks like Sting's uncle. Yep. Right hands by the beach and a body slam. Irish whip and a baseball slide by Marty Duck under hip toss counter and one of his own. And a hip toss for Costello, who runs in. Crowd's still dead. I'm telling you, this has to be like late in the taping or something. This whole thing must be. I'm wondering if there was like three other episodes with Jesse and Mooney. Yeah, maybe. By this point. Yeah, they did other ones for yeah. the record here. They, this isn't the only episode they've done. I'm wondering if this done. is the end of that that burst of that trilogy or yeah. quadrology or yeah. whatever it is. Nope. Jobbers bail. Sean in now with Costello's side headlock by Sean off the rope. Shoulder block by Sean. Completely unnecessary back foot by Michaels. Then a body slam. What was that back foot? I don't like, know. Just, I, even for Sean, that felt like dumb. <laughs> it was like a Jacques Rougeau move. It was very like, it was very like Sean's still like new to the WF. Like that's oh, like yeah. what the, and he's just trying to do anything to like impress people. <laughs> Working out his spots, right? Yeah, yeah. The rockers are pretty new here. They come in a few months earlier. Yeah, because when they first start, they're very like I wouldn't call them green as much as they're very like looking to impress. Yeah, so they're I'd like agree. on their A game and they're like doing extra moves that they would not really usually do. Yeah, like backflips, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think after that like very brief stint in '87 yeah. where they got fired, I guarantee you they're really trying to impress here. Right. Exactly. That, that seems like what it is. You're right. No one cares, though. Chinlock by Michaels because we really need a rest hold in this jobber match. I don't know what that's about. Jesse says that he used to wrestle like the Blue Blazer. Just no. Don't, <laughs> We've like, seen don't, him. Oh, don't lie because now we know. Like, <laughs> it's like now anytime he hypes his wrestling, I'm just like, you were horrible. He was. I, and what this went on for a while. I feel like he said this in like something else where he was like, I was, I'm, I was just like the Blue Blazer. Then, like, well, then he starts telling Mooney that he is the Blue Blazer. Did yeah, you catch then, that? Yeah, he starts like, he starts rewriting what he was saying. Like, he's like, after he's like, I, I wrestled like the Blue Blazer, he's like, no, I am the Blue Blazer. Actually, Mooney, you know I am the Blue Blazer. Oh, you are? Wow, great. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Mooney's kind of like, who's the Blue Blazer? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Good point. Sean goes up top, lands a fist drop before tagging in Marty, who leaps off the top rope into a vertical suplex that Sean's doing for the win. Rockers win. Again, I like these matches being like three minutes yeah. in all honesty. No, seriously. I don't want them any longer. Yeah. It's the typical, like, let's squeeze in 1,000 matches into this, like, 45 minutes yeah. thing. There's still more, folks. Don't yeah. you worry. Is there, like, three matches <laughs> left or something? Like, there's, like, a lot. There is a lot. We go to commercial. We come back where Bobby Heenan is in the ring. With the Red Rooster. Ew. Like <laughs> this already? Yeah, and the whole gimmick here, folks, I'm sure you know, is that uh, the rooster is pretty crappy, but Bobby's going to make him good. Like, literally, there's an insert promo 
or whatever it is that Bobby says that he has limited ability. <laughs> like that's, Well, the rooster is like, he's like, I'm going to show Bobby the breaking yeah. in, but I, I'm not as limited as he thinks oh, I am, even up. though I love him and I'm going to kiss his butt. <laughs> like This is all real. It's horrible. And it's the truth. Because he really should be, because it's, it's a blessing that Bobby the Brain Heaton's even involved with him. Like, in all honesty, like, what would they do with him post the, like, losing to Mr. Perfect thing if he had not been with Bobby? Like, and had this feud. He would have been in, like, the Scott Casey position. He yeah. wasn't charismatic enough. I know people are like, oh, Terry Taylor, great wrestler. That's not what they do in the WWF. They don't do great wrestlers. Do people know where they are right now? Yeah, you can't get over that. It's hard to get I over, like I should Terry say. I Terry Taylor, in all honesty, WF in general was a bad fit for him. Had he stayed in Crockett's and like yeah, work, fine there. work through it, he would have probably been a huge star there. Yes. Like, honestly. He's fi- He's fine as a wrestler, right? Like, really. Maybe that's the problem and maybe that we've always been like trying to hypothesize like what happened with this guy. Maybe it was just he was like in the wrong federation. The wrong organization. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's just not... He doesn't fit the WWF. No, he doesn't have the the promo ability at this point anyway, the look or the charisma to be a big player in WWF. He has the wrestling right. ability. And conversely, WF, what they were trying to do too with him, they were trying to establish that like, oh no, in WF there's also like good wrestling. Yeah. So it's like the fit was just all off. Well, because it didn't help that their whole gimmick was he sucks and Bobby's going to make him good. Yeah. Like, how the hell do you get over on that? It's true. <laughs> it's just a bad because idea. Because to WF fans, <laughs> when you say he sucks, yeah. it means that he sucks in ring. They don't understand what they're really saying is he's not charismatic. Right, right. Like, you know right. what? To us, it's like, it's like well, Hart Foundation, they're good wrestlers yeah. and they they say that. And, yeah. You know what I mean? If you say he sucks in general, yeah. then you're like, well, he's not even a good wrestler yeah, either. he just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the perception exactly his opponent's reno riggins by the way in case you were uh thrilling <laughs> he's literally as good as taylor in kayfabe here That's true sparta's the ref again arm bar by taylor reversed by riggins hip toss by taylor back to the arm insert promo like you mentioned quinn which is just hideous yeah, he's overly peppy and he's like i'm not too limited it's just like awful <laughs> i'm gonna show bobby that i'm good <laughs> no no er, 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 yeah that's only when he's a face yeah and then he also is like he's also like literally kissing bobby's ass he's <laughs> he's like i'm gonna i'm so happy bobby the brain and <laughs> yeah. wants to manage me it's like oh my god yeah like why of course this didn't get over yeah you know? It's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. The Red Rooster feels like he's 10 feet tall. Bobby, thank you for the opportunity, and I promise I will not let you down. The Red Rooster is on top of the world and ready to go. But there's one point I got to make. I'm not quite as limited as you think, Bobby. Close on by the rooster as Bobby's just yelling crap at him from the outside because he's going to turn on him soon. Well, you know, yeah, that happens. It, it, it's like instantaneously. He's like with him for what, a month it's, or something? Yeah, it's like, like November. <laughs> he's already like, oh, you suck. Yeah. Like, wow, this was a real big mistake. Yeah. Uh, jawbreaker by rooster. He keeps checking with Bobby for approval. Do you notice yeah. that? He's like, did I do that right? You yeah. know? Awful. Ooh, by the way, it's like, this is so backwards also because most of the time the, the joke is that like, Bobby thinks he's a good wrestler, but he's not, or yeah. something. Like at least that's how they portray In him. Kayfabe, yeah. Even though we know he's a good wrestler, and yeah. it's always like Gorilla's always like, "Why is he telling them <laughs> yeah, how to wrestle? What to do? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's like literally how they've always portrayed Bobby, that he's that he thinks he's good, but, but he's, he's not. not. Yeah. Right. And in this case, it's like the opposite. So yeah. it doesn't it doesn't jive with like what we know about Bobby the Brain Heenan at all. Yeah. Nothing about this was good. Yeah. There's just no way to put it. Yeah. It's not Bobby's fault. It's not Terry Taylor's fault. It's just a bad idea. Uh, we get a knee breaker by the rooster and the cock of the walk 
gets the win. That here. name, just like how, that's, why, why do they call it? And, that's and, the sharpshooter. Yeah, and the best part here is yeah, with Mooney, right? Yeah. Mooney is literally about to call it the Scorpion Hold, but Jess is like, "Cock on the walk." Yeah, <laughs> like, like Mo- Mooney, no, no, the real no, name. Mooney, that's not what it is. Yeah. Like, it's the cock of the walk. Oh, yeah. Goes across with the You know what he scorpion. calls this? No, no, no. That's called the cock of the walk. Cock of the walk. What a load of cock this was, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. Don't get your feathers ruffled there, Michael. Uh, we go to Billy Red Lions again. Who, <laughs> Billy Red Rooster again, yeah. who throws us to Andre and Bobby. Bobby's <laughs> like, I got a gold Rolex from Ted DiBiase. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and This then, is this Andre, Joe, <laughs> is like is so mumbly. Like, this, it's really bad. It's really bad. Andre's got like a short sleeve dress shirt. And he's like, I got a dial watch. <laughs> Maybe I don't have the bell hunger, but I got a nice I seriously, you're you're saying it clearer because I literally had no. All I heard was and Bobby's the Bobby the Brain's like I got to watch and like it's like that's like all I heard. By the way, he's calling out Hogan as if he's the champion, but he's not. Yeah, he forgot. That's the other thing here because and I swear Bobby does a sort of slight correction because he says oh and also Macho Man or something like this is like a weird like just thrown together nothing yeah like, Andre totally forgot that Hogan wasn't the champion I'm telling well, you he's, he's got a one track mind because literally like Andre is only here to, to feud with Hogan at this point yes. like he's like and he doesn't ends. like he it's not even about the belt as much as fuck Hulk Hogan yeah it's like he doesn't give a shit that Macho Man <laughs> yeah. is the champion like it's like oh you know what screw you Hulk Hogan and what's weird too is they were very quickly moving on to Jake Right. At this point. This is when the boss snake that was coming up real soon. So maybe this was like recorded a while ago. <laughs> August. Yeah, I don't know. Seriously. Anyway, we now get an uninspired promo from a still employed junkyard dog. How does he even still work I here? Don't... I thought he was gone by this point. He is very close to being gone. I think yeah. like within a week of this airing or something, he's very much yeah. done. <laughs> and I don't know or care what he's saying. <laughs> he says he'll win or something and rough rough yeah, on the dog. Seriously. Like, yeah, like, I'll tell you, I'm going to win rough. Like, great. Doesn't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> but I see I have to reach deep down inside of this 315 pound body. And pull out some meanness every now and then because it's a lot of vicious, vicious things that's happening around here. Who cares? Go to break, come back once more, uh, where Bad News Brown is beating the crap out of Red Tyler yeah, like, in the ring. already in progress. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, who cares about why this is happening? <laughs> he then gives an insert promo where he complains about not being the number one contender, even though he's undefeated. Yeah, fuck Tony, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> Good Hebner is the referee again, Dave. Bad News beats up Tyler with clotheslines and crap like that before getting a really weird ghetto blaster for the one foot pin. And then Bad News, like right after with the humor, it's like, ha ha! Yeah. Like, like, like as he's like one. It's not even the who, it's just yeah. the like, ha ha! Yeah, like, he is funny sometimes, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he, he is. He is funny. Yeah. Uh, time for update with me and Gene, and they blank out something Gene says. I don't know I, if that was the tape superstar, or, the, no. or, or was that actually the edit. That was muted. I think he might have said superstars. Okay. And they're just like, Uh-oh. nope. No, mm-hmm. that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. It's made belief. All right. Hi, good, everybody. I'm Gene Okerlund. Last week for the second week in a row. It's Chris Benoit. On the Brother Love Show. That'd be funny if they tried to dub it in. <laughs> uh, 
Maple, Last week on Maple Leaf Wrestling. What if they like they, they just recorded one time, like yeah. at the beginning of Maple Leaf? You know, when like Vince cares about the show yeah. for a minute, it's like let's let's just pre-tape a bunch of people saying Maple Leaf. Like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been even better, right? For years, they're just pasting it in Maple Leaf Wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> just like all shitty. Anyway, we throw to last week's Brother Love show with Hogan, Bossman, and Slick. This is where Bossman just nails Hogan with the night slick. Slick sprays mace at the Hulker. We get the, oh, God, yeah. selling by Hogan as Bossman just beats the shit out of him. It's a real scene. It is. It's like, good. It's it's actually a great beatdown. No, it is. In the, all honesty. This feud is good. Hogan yeah. Bossman is an awesome feud. Yeah, it really it, is. It really is, because Bossman could work, man. So Bossman grabs a piece of guardrail, handcuffs Hogan to it for fun, beats the shit out of him more. Like just, you said, good yeah, beatdown. very good. Really I, good. I really like this. Then they clip up Gene saying something again. It might, it's got to be superstars. I don't probably know. probably all it is. And then we get a really awkward hard cut to a WWF calendar promo. Yeah, and here's the weird part. It's like <laughs> shitty like jingle bells playing. It's like October. Yeah. Like the Survivor Series isn't even why are they talking about Christmas? I don't know. This like, is weird. Get it for your friends for Christmas. It's like jingle bells. <laughs> like all happy. Yeah. I am very odd. You could send a check C H E Q U E. The Q version. Yeah, yeah, the Q version. Or money order to Maple Leaf Wrestling. 4053 Chesswood Drive. Yeah, we're really mailing it to like the Canadian office, <laughs> Tunney's house or whatever. <laughs> Downsview, Ontario. M3J2R8. It's only 12 bucks. And we get a hard clip from that commercial back to ringside where Beefcake Barber is entering to his theme that I did not realize he had this early. What a package. <laughs> yeah. I thought he had it at like WrestleMania. Four? No. Yeah, no. Oh, silence. Oh. Yeah, it's at SummerSlam, definitely. No, also, remember his face fell off his or whatever. His face fell yeah. off with yeah. the Spurs, yeah. yeah. But anyway, his opponent looks like Larry from Three's Company. His name is Gene Ligon. I'm sure this is going to be a hot match. He looks like a ruddy plumber in his underpants, does. honestly. Like 49. Yeah. Uh, Beefcake grabs the leg on a kick, turns into a nice atomic drop there. High knee by Beef. Which Mooney calls an elbow. <laughs> and Jesse's like, that was a high knee. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad he called that shit out. <laughs> That's like Gorilla from that other thing where yeah. it's like, uppercut! Or yeah, it's a kick. Russian like sweep is <laughs> yeah. like a fucking neck neck, break. reverse neck breaker. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? But Mooney was way off on you this know, one. All during this late 80s period, a lot of announcers had a bad habit of calling. Like, I'm noticing it more and more the more we watch this yeah. stuff. Like, it's, it's, like every, it's like prevalent. It's like yeah. everywhere. I know. Uh, Ron Bass pops up for an insert promo to tell Brutus Beefcake that he sucks. You know what? I like Ron Bass. I do, too. He's I, always, good. I say this every time. <laughs> He's good. Yeah. Stomp by Beefcake, and he signals for the sleep ob, but struts instead. Then we get the Irish whip. Then the sleeper. Then it's over. Beefcake gives Ligon a haircut, which, honestly, Coin is probably an improvement for once, really. He's probably <laughs> dreaming of plungers. Yeah. And, yeah, to be fair, his hair is getting a little long. I think, yeah. he, I think, like, this was one of those situations where they said, hey, do any boys want that want to, like, need, need some haircut? Yeah. Are you going to the barber soon? Yeah. Like, because you'll get it fixed when you go anyway. Yeah, so it's right. just, like, kind of, like, cut it off, and yeah. then the next day, Gene goes to get, a, like, a legitimate haircut <laughs> yeah. anyway. Like, I bet you that's how they did this. For the jobbers, yeah. yeah it's like, they, anyone getting a haircut soon? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it, sir. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Get an extra like, 10 bucks. Yeah, you get an extra... They, they pay for your going to the barber the next day. There you go. That, <laughs> Not a bad deal, actually, yeah. in this case. Uh, Mooney throws now to a vignette for newcomer, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Kurt Perfect shoots some hoopies here and talks about when he was born... The doctor said perfect. His voice keeps like cracking and he sounds like a big dirty. He's like, hi, I'm Mr. Perfect. Yeah, all happy. Yeah, it's like weird. He's, he doesn't sound heelish. It's no. odd. Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. 
We get fantastic, like, 80s happy porno music in the background oh, yeah. here as Perfect's making a bunch of shots in some rusty-ass gym. Yeah, don't you wish you were Perfect? <laughs> like, you know, that's like that's how he says it. Yeah, it's real. Uh, he hits the money shot <clears throat> from behind his back, and we get a hard clip now to the Maple Leaf Gardens where Tom Angel is entering the ring. Oh, and he <laughs> looks like an extra in, like, Problem Child or something. <laughs> Seriously, like one of the guys that's just in the background, like like that pizza place in Problem Child Two. Great reference. Yeah, yeah. remember that movie? Yes, I remember that yeah. movie. John Ritter, uh, his opponent from Hamilton, Ontario, Iron Mike Sharp, and he's like the big face because it's Canada. Oh, wait, what? It's great. We've had so much of him lately that I love like him. this really was necessary to clean the palate of shitty Mike Sharp. Absolutely. Uh, we got Gorilla and Mooney on commentary here for the Maple Leaf show, and I love that Sharp is a face solely because he's from nearby. It's great. Yeah. So again, this is the good Mike Sharp yeah. since he's like a jobber, right. especially after the... Like, his main run was just the worst shit. The 83? Yeah, folks. It's so bad. For those of you that don't know, so the point where we're at in 83 now, he has just come in, but he's pushed right. in 83. He's got Albano with him, he doesn't yell. Right. There's no... Ah! The problem is the no yelling, I that's think. The that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest issue with the early version. And he's got this Spectrum match against Bob Backlund in April. It's poor. It's so bad. So, the good version of Mike Sharp is this version, the jobber version that's it's, constantly it's yelling. It's kind of crazy, actually. He's right. Like, yeah, like, this is the one we remember that's excellent, actually. Yeah, like, he's posing for the crowd and yeah. everything because they like, like him. personality. Yeah. Instead, lo- he, instead, he's just, like, a mean man, <laughs> like, in 83. Like, yeah. that's like his gimmick. It's like, I'm mean. I'm mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. But this is fantastic. Tom Angel kind of looks like Dana Carvey, I've noticed, like, early Dana looks Carvey. Like every, like, late 80s, 90s, he looks like he belongs on, like, a sitcom. Dana There's, like, so Spade. many different things I can think of just looking at this yeah, guy. right. Uh, Forum gets two for Sharp. Angel with a high crossbody for two, and then he ties Sharp in the ropes and pounds away. Sharp lands a boot, though, and the re- referee helps free him. Forearms now by Sharp. Irish whip. Nice back body drop for two. Irish whip again by Sharp. Sunset flip by Angel gets two. Sharp's doing his usual, you know, the nonstop yelling, like we said, so much better than 83. Just, ah! Yeah, I, the whole again, match. I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm so happy with this. We needed a good version yeah. of him again. Angel with some knees in the corner. Beal toss. Sharp backs off. Angel pounds away. Corner whip. Monkey flip. Nicely done by Angel. By the way, zero commentary is happening. Yeah. It's because the yelling is so loud, I think. <laughs> like, don't. <laughs> you don't need commentary. It's just, I want to listen to... Like, like literally everything he does he yells like in this match like every single thing gets caught in the ropes like runs around getting beat up like every little every little action like whether he's winning or losing just yelling it's great that's the way he should be angel tries another monkey flip but sharp reaches into his tights puts something into his wrist guard before whacking angel for the win good good Girl calls it a miscarriage of justice, but the fans are happy. See, why wasn't he just this in 1983? <laughs> right. Like, he would have been, like, a big deal. Right. Because he's so unique. And said he just looks mean. Yeah. You're right. You nailed the character. I'm a mean man. Yeah, that's <laughs> literally all he... And that's not fun. No. Because there's a lot of mean men. Like, right. Big John Studd and stuff. Ray Stevens. Ray Stevens. A lot yeah. of mean people. And Ray Stevens way meaner than any of those people. Right. Good like, point. Very mean. That's why Ray Steven works. <laughs> like, in all seriousness. Sadistic. Because he's just, like, fucked up like, you know <laughs> now gorilla kind of confuses sharp here with jimmy snooker because he says that sharp got away with murder hard oh cut boy. now to an ad for <laughs> to an ad for that piece of shit wwf foam belt that looked nothing like the winged and eagle this was so random yeah. can i say something about this ad that yeah. was very odd yeah it's like 
two seconds long, but at the very end of it, right, there's like a picture, there's like a four square picture of a, just a bunch of random stuff like Sherry and yeah, like, 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 I don't like, I think Iron Mike Sharp's in one of them. He I, might be. I, it's just ran, but it's like, it's just they picked anybody. Like right. that, that's just the weirdest part. And that belt, I mean, I had it. It was horrible. It's horrible. Though. I, had that, nothing I had the like white it. version of that one. That's rare. When did yeah, you get that second hand? Somebody gave that to yeah, me second hand and I was like. But still, it didn't look like the white, <laughs> the shittier. I had the brown intercontinental one. Yeah, I had the I white that. of that, and I had the gray tag team. I remember those too. Yeah. Uh, we get a hard cut again to ringside. How many matches yeah. where Tom Walsh is introduced? Yeah, he's gonna win. His opponent win <laughs> is the former intercontinental champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, no icy belt. This is very sad. Very sad. I know I, you I, don't I, like it. He's very good here, though. He's like very like he seems pretty happy. I know, but you know what, Holly. Holly Jolly here. But the Warriors' time to shine, you know. I mean, yeah, I know. all can't be Intercontinental Champion forever, Michael. Jesse talks about how he plays piano on Honky's theme, you know, that whole stupid mm-hmm. joke. Jesse Lee Ventura, ha yep. uh, While Jesse and Mooney are arguing about rugby or whatever it is, well, I don't even know. Honky just quickly hits the shake, rattle, and roll for the win. And this is one of those things where I'm just like, ah, I love WF. Yes. Like, it's just like, literally, he he just kind of like dances around the whole match, and then he's like, come over here, and then just like shake, rattle, and roll, and like, that's it. Yeah. Like, it's like the whole thing. It's great. This is what I mean, like, where it's like, this is what I like about superstars, like that kind of thing. Which is what this is, yeah. Yeah, where it's just like, you know what? We just need to see the special move. Yeah. Like, we don't, like, you can kick him a little bit or we don't need something. To- like, I don't know. Just like, get it we, done. We don't need a competitive match here with yeah, Tom Walsh. Just basically invent a reason why he fell into your special <laughs> yeah. move and just leave. And it really only needs to be like tops three minutes. <laughs> yeah, right? that's it. And then he grabs the mic and he sings over his theme song. Yeah, it's all shitty. And, and he, it, they kind of like just fade away he, from this. They don't even like really pay attention to it. No, they don't. Because we go back to Billy Red Lions again, who, uh, two things. He wants us to donate to the United Way and also here's the Rockers. What was that? Like know. he just he just put that in there, yeah. right? It, Make sure you donate to your United Way. Almost like he personally donates to the United Way and like his friends over at the United Way said, Hey Billy on the on the show this week, could you just like could you just like mention that like we really need some donation? Like that kind of thing. Okay, I will. Yeah. <laughs> so the Rockers here, these big dorks, they have these hideous shirts with like sparkly pogs on yeah, them what, and nipple cutouts. What, what's with these weird blouses? What is this? It's like the men's edition of yeah, a blouse, like yeah. where like you can cut out because you don't have to like cover up the boobs. Right. Like, so their like, boobs are out. Yeah. They're like, Why? well, we can show them. <laughs> And of course, it's like the usual early rockers promo where they say nothing. Oh, we're going to slam to the You know, taking care of business. Like, just, like, just please stop. stop. <laughs> now we go to Ron Bass. Yes. Who says, you know what? He's reached the point in his career where he doesn't even care about winning well, anymore. I, I agree. He just wants to beat the fuck out of Brutus Beefcake. I like this guy. Why wasn't he pushed? I don't know, yeah. man. He was great, but maybe he's the one that invited Beefcake to go parasailing. Oh. Oh. Set him up. See, set him up there. Uh, Billy Red signs off now as we get a hideous edit. This, yeah, is this, the is the, worst. this is the worst one. Yeah, it's really, really bad. It's basically the end of Superstars, yeah, right? But they literally just jump cut. To Vince, who hasn't been on this show at all, running down next week's card. This is Billy Redline saying so long for now. Now the Jonas will be the big boss man, along with Dino Bravo and the Ultimate Warrior. Really, I really bad. It. I and don't then, get it. And then it just ends. Yep. Okay, so literally nothing of note. Mm-hmm. Literally. And like we said, there's no build for anything <laughs> because there's no Survivor Series What's in Canada. Survivor Series? Right. So yeah. they're not building anything. So it, it was just weird, but the crowd couldn't have given any kind of a shit. But guess what? Every match was short. There was like 
12 of them. So it was fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's strangely edited, but again, it's late 80s classic WF. Yeah. I don't know why. This style of just like these fucking shit matches that don't matter, but they're like, they're so short. Yes. Like, here's the thing. If you do shit matches and they're like 10 minutes long, that they sucks. Suck. It's horrible. Right. If you're like, we know we have shit matches, right? <laughs> That if you just are like, these are like three minutes, yeah. like it's perfect. It's fine. And you fit like fucking 15 of them, like in like 45 minutes. Like, yeah. It works. It was nice. It was a nice little snapshot of late 88 WWF. Yeah. That's really all there was to it. It was enjoyable. They got, was, their, they got their Canadian exclusive content Canadian in. Canadian content. Mike Sharp with a big win. Yeah, he was the Canadian content. We yep. didn't even say that, but yeah, that's what that was it was. Him. And Mooney and Jesse is always fun because we never get to see that. So. That is WWF Maple Believe Wrestling, October the 29th, 1988. And folks, we hope you enjoyed being with us here yet again in the world of retro wrestling, romping you through. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't. You can also join the Facebook group if you want some fun discussion. And if you have iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. If you want to donate and you want a lot, a lot, a lot of extra content, I encourage you to give a try at least for a month. Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next time, until next week, thank you guys for being with us here. I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. And we'll see you next week. See ya. You know, to show you how valuable in professional wrestling, professional sports this man is, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, bought me this gold Rolex. Pretty nice present, huh? Beautiful. Look what he bought Andre the Giant. Now you the see, giant watch. <laughs> obviously this man is worth every penny of it. Hogan, the likes of you and Savage, get in line, because this man wants more jewelry. Hogan, I'm going to have your belt. I'm going to have your belt. I got lots of jewelry like this coming from. That Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. Because he pay me again to get in the ring against you. Anytime, anywhere, Hogan. <laughs> you too, Savage. <laughs>